Welcome to Game Face, episode 218 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. Our flagship show is a three hours roughly trip around the gaming industry each week. However, this week might be a little shorter than usual. Um, alongside me to talk about all the biggest and brightest in games, I have Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? Always say it's going to be shorter than usual, and then it's like 4.30. Well, you looked at the rundown. What do you think? I don't know. Um, <laughs> we, 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 could, we could spend an hour talking about how disappointing one of the things in it is. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we also have and we Mitch, probably will when it comes out. And we probably will, yep. Uh, we also have Mitch Sikorsky uh, handling the tri-casting duties today. What's up, Mitch? Nothing much. I agree with Matt. We'll probably have an hour to talk about the disappointing thing. <laughs> I guess that's one thing. We will have plenty of time to get through all our topics today. Uh, a couple things before we get started. If you're listening to this show on one of like eight different podcast services that the show is on, we'd really appreciate it if you could help us out with a couple bucks a month on Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted. If you're broke and you can't afford to help us and you have Amazon Prime, you can give us a free $2.50 every single month. Uh, in fact, there's a ton of people doing that right now in the chat. Swanlin already subscribed with Twitch Prime. Uh, Talimper subscribed with Twitch Prime. Thank you, guys. Uh, if you need to figure out how to do that, we have that on pretty much every listing on our Patreon account as far as how to link it up and give us that free two bucks. So if you take a minute to do it, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, the site lives and dies 100% on user contributions. Uh, so we appreciate every single penny. Uh, before we get started, as usual, we're going to talk about our poll of the week from last week. And if you remember on last week's episode, we talked about The Last of Us Part Two for literally like 90 minutes, I think it was all told. Um, and uh, anyway, our poll of the week was asking you guys what you thought of the game. Uh, the results were pretty interesting. If you want to put them up, Mitch. Um, the most common result was it's a game of the year candidate. 21% um, of you think it was the greatest game ever made. So that's 58% of you either think it's a game of the year candidate or literally the best game ever made, which is crazy. Uh, then the last two options are for those of you who didn't enjoy the, the game as much as others. 16% um, said the game came in below their expectations. Uh, and then 26% believe the game is completely overrated. Uh, now, in polls like this, Sifted is a multi-platform site. And I would say that we probably have a pretty equal distribution of Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony fans. Uh, and a lot of times when you have a result or a, an option like that in a poll, that tends to be where the Xbox fans would go. Uh, of course, with any poll, it... <laughs> The scientific accuracy of it uh, depends on how many people reply. And this is certainly not scientifically accurate, but I think it gives you a good sort of roadmap, at least of what Sifters user, you Sifted users think of the game. Matt, anything strike you about that poll? Um, no, it kind of lands about where, where I thought. Although, I mean, I do know two people that do think it's the best game ever made. Um, I don't agree with that. I, I would say it's the front runner for game of the year right now. Yeah. Um, and I'm speaking as someone who uh, has really never liked Druckmann's output at Naughty Dog uh, in terms of a creative director. Uh, I didn't like Uncharted 4. Lost Legacy wasn't him. I like that a lot. Um, I like the story of Last of Us 1, but I hate playing it. 
And like, so I was ready for a similar thing here where I either didn't like what he did with the story or I thought the gameplay was annoying and, and like a chore to get through to get to the rest of the story. But I did not feel that way at all. Like I enjoyed both. So, I mean, we talked about how we thought it was a little too long. Uh, you, or you did last week and we talked and yeah. spoiled about how we, I, I, I agreed once I finished it. Um, I think it needed maybe three or four fewer encounters uh, near the end of the last back half of the game. But um, like I, and maybe it's saying something about this year, but I, uh, there's nothing else I've played that like matches up to it. There's stuff in the pipeline that might, yeah. you know, I'm not certainly not going to dismiss cyberpunk or even ghost of Tsushima or whatever Nintendo might have up their sleeve for the last half of the year. But like, it's really the first thing this year that made me sit up and go like, this is great. Like yeah. you know. I voted game of the year candidate. Mm -hmm. um, definitely to me, not the greatest game ever made. Uh, I don't even know if I get it into my like top 15 or 20, uh, but certainly like, like yeah. Matt, I agree is probably the best game released so far this year. Um, so I agree. I think the poll pretty much turned out how I thought it would um, as far as the distribution of votes for each of the options. Uh, you um, actually misconstrued one of your answers. It technically it says one of the best games ever made, and so that's you're why right. That's I right. that's why I voted for that because I think yeah I have a crib notes the... version of the poll here because I can't really see anything doing this stuff from home. So mm -hmm. I yeah I probably should have written out the entire option instead of just saying the greatest game ever. But yeah, one of the greatest games, and that was twenty one percent of people felt it was one of the greatest games ever. And so. I wasn't surprised either because people that really don't like this game really don't like this game. So I was yeah. expecting more votes to be um, allocated in the negative towards the really negative than the mediocre. Yep. Um, and then one final thing, our new poll of the week is up already and we have some exciting stuff coming, people. We have new shirts coming. Um, so... We're almost done with Sifted 2.0. Brent has one last project that he's working on, and then the whole thing will be complete. And then we're going to do a massive relaunch with a marketing push. We're going to reach out to all the people who have ever signed up for Sifted in the past and uh, tell them about all the changes since they left. And part of that is going to be new merch. So basically how it's going to work going forward is we're going to have a big merch store that's run a lot like the merch stores for Kind of Funny or Easy Allies. It's kind of low, lower quality stuff, um, but you get more stuff. So we'll be able to offer like mouse pads and, and coffee mugs and like sweatshirts and stuff like that. And then on our site, we will sell the limited edition stuff, meaning the t-shirts that we produce ourselves that are generally pretty much of the highest quality that you can make shirts. Um, and we'll keep selling those on our marketplace. Um, and then you'll have to go to a separate site to get kind of all the other stuff. But anyway, we have a new round of shirts coming. Another note too to patrons, if you were ever a patron at the Sifted t-shirt level, throughout this entire year and maybe you've had to drop your pledge or whatever and you're not pledging at that level right now, you will still get a free shirt. We will go back and we will look for everyone who ever pledged at that level and we will send out free shirts to all of them. We're also working on new stickers right now for our sticker shock tier. Uh, those are actually showing up, I think, on Monday. So we'll have those. So a lot of the deliverables, we've had a little bit of, a, of an area here where I can breathe a little bit to get this stuff done. So a lot of our deliverables for our Patreon are, are coming or on the way. You'll also obviously be able to buy the shirts. But anyway, the poll of the week is to pick the color combinations for the shirts. Um, I'll show you right now. Hold on, just give me one second. I Jeopardy music, I'd be playing it right now. So these, so these are the shirts that we have left over from the first round. And there is a lot. This is all money 
that I that I can't afford that I literally just flushed down the toilet. So I don't know if it was the color combinations or what it was. Uh, maybe you guys can post in the poll. Uh, you can leave comments there why maybe you didn't buy our last shirts. But I took a bath on those and I'm trying to avoid it this time. So if it was color combinations that turned you guys off to the last round of shirts, I'm going to let you pick them this time. So there are no excuses uh, so that there's a shirt color combo that uh, that is there for everybody. So anyway, um, that'll probably be going live in the next couple weeks. Like the shirts are actually going to be start being produced tomorrow and they'll probably be done by early next week. But we're just waiting for Brent to finish up the last part of Sifted 2.0 and we can get on with it. So anyway, hope you guys are excited for that stuff. Um, and then one note before we get moving, because this just broke and after we had put together the rundown for 2.18, uh, Andy McNamara, who is a very good friend of mine, and I'm guessing a good friend of Matt's as well, or at least an acquaintance, has left Game Informer after 29 years. He was there for the first issue of Game Informer, the first ever. Um, back when Game Informer launched, it was bi-monthly. Uh, so he was there from the beginning. He has pretty much shepherded that magazine to become uh, the biggest magazine in really in the history of gaming, to be honest. Um, and, and sure, a lot of that was their deal that they had with GameStop, but he brokered that deal and he set all that stuff up. So um, Andy McNamara was someone that I looked up to for a long time before I actually got into the industry and to see him leave. Um, and he's not just leaving Game Informer, he's actually leaving games journalism completely. Uh, he got a job in the industry, so he's yet another journalist who has decided to jump ship uh, and move, cross the line, so to speak, into development or publishing. Matt, what are your kind of thoughts on Andy Mack leaving Game Informer? I mean, uh, if I were him, I'd probably gone for a solid 30, but uh, it's... Uh, Why not? Why not just yeah. put that capper on it? <laughs> <laughs> My guess is that whatever he was offered, uh, whatever the new gig is, is something he really wanted to do and didn't want to turn down. He is moving here. Um, to, to L.A. or to California? LA, to L.A. So uh, we'll get to see him more eventually once once this is over. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so that's cool. Um, I mean, he got that job when I was 15. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, it's he's nuts. a great guy too, by the he way, is. we should mention he's a really, really awesome guy. Like he's just yeah. one of those people that you meet and I've introduced people to him and he acts like they've known him for like 10 years. So he's a really good guy. He, he deserves it. You know, he's, he's definitely paid his dues in the games journalism mm -hmm. space. He's free to do whatever the heck he wants at this point. And he's I, navigated that ship through some really rocky times. He has. I do wonder if a little bit of what's going on there is kind of what was going on with me at game trailers when I left, where I was privy um, to a lot of stuff that was kind of going on behind the scenes. Um, mm -hmm. and then because I had that information it kind of informed my decision-making a little bit, I don't know. Uh, I just know that obviously he's the head honcho at Game Informer. Obviously Game Informer has had some really tough times over the last couple of years. They shut down Game Informer Australia not that long ago. Um, and so I'm just wondering if maybe he knows something that's coming on down the pike and maybe even if he doesn't, like it doesn't take Nostradamus to see that GameStop is not doing great and it's probably time to move along if you can. Um, yeah. And I would guess he would probably have given that uh, advice to all the people working under him as well. So uh, I don't think, I mean, it, it definitely makes sense that, that if you're a game informer, you're thinking like it might be time to jump the ship. Um, yeah. Uh, just because of the nature of the parent companies. And it's a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like one of the only magazines left for gaming in North America and has been for a long yeah. time. Is so. there another one? I can't. 
Unless there's like some PC stuff. That I think there's some like indie magazines that are like really nice, but they come out like once a quarter. There's little mm -hmm. projects like that, but monthly, I can't really think of one. Yeah, that. certainly it's the last standing of the classic yeah. game mags. Yep, for sure. So anyway. By, by like 15 years. I yeah, think. it's crazy. Yep. So anyway, Andy Mac, best of luck to you, brother. Can't wait to see you again. Glad to hear that you're coming to LA. I actually mm -hmm. didn't know that, which means he's either getting a job at Naughty Dog, EA, Activision, Respawn, Insomniac. Insomniac, EA. I said EA. Yeah. So um, five or six options there. High Moon. I don't. Yeah. I don't, yeah. If you're telecommuting to Irvine, I guess you could include. <laughs> I would like, not do that. Inclu include like, right now. It may not be that bad. <laughs> telecommuting. Telecommuting to Irvine. You could. You could do like uh, Obsidian or Blizzard or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, wouldn't want to drive to Irvine every day. That's for sure. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of options. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of places to work here in the industry. So good luck, Andy Mac. Can't wait to see you when you get out here. And congratulations on everything you accomplished at Game Informer. It really is remarkable what he did there. So let's get on to it. Let's get on to the real episode 218. We're going to finally get into the rundown. All this stuff breaking right before the show happens. I wanted to touch on a lot of it. Um, we're going to kick things off with Marvel's Avengers. This game has had a bumpy development cycle to say the least um they debuted it at e3 in full really and the response to it was not good um at e3 2019 they had their own booth and everything and everyone just kind of meh when mm -hmm. they were they kind of were talking about the game us included um i think we saw stuff that we liked but we also saw just as much stuff that concerned us yeah although it was a weird phenomenon where like when the gameplay got leaked and then when it finally got shown at comic-con like the public in general, like kind of reacted to it. Like, no, nah, that's all right. Like, like the press had a really negative response to it at E3, and then the public, maybe because they were over prepared by the press reaction, were kind of like, oh, it's fine, kind of thing. Uh, but I think you know now that they've shown it again a year, you know, this is I, obviously the E3 presentation should had there been an E3. Um, I'm not super psyched with their progress. Put it that way. Yep. So one thing that they did divulge is the story for the game. And I'll just give, give you a quick synopsis right now. So it's Avengers Day in San Francisco. The Golden Gate Bridge is attacked. Uh, some of the Avengers go to protect the bridge. Uh, some of the other Avengers go to find out the source of the issue. Um, their hell carrier is destroyed. And the basically the, the people who orchestrated the attack set it up so that it looks like it was the Avengers who did it. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of go into hiding for, I think it's like three years, uh, and then Miss Marvel decides it's time to get the, the band back together and clear our name. Uh, and what motivates her to do that is that two characters called AIM and MODOK uh, have basically... There are some parallels to this in real life that are going on right now. They yeah, aim, aim is an organization. Aim is the aim uh, is an organization, yeah. and then advanced Mo idea mechanics. Yeah, and then Modoc is he the leader of Aim? Sometimes, but you, yeah, he's or or at least he's sort of like one of the major head honchos. Uh, um, yeah, he is. Uh, he's you may know him as the giant head in a cyborg suit. Uh, yeah. He's one of the most ridiculous Marvel villains around. Uh, like early on, a bunch of like running gags from fans about like 
it was the most least likely villain we'll see in the Marvel movies. And like Modoc was one of the suggestions. And so far <laughs> that has been correct. Like they have not attempted to do. But there he is. Yeah. I mean, they did put Arnim Zola in uh, rather effectively. So anything can happen, but Modoc is probably best suited to video games. Yep. You also know him from the Marvel versus Capcom games. He's, he's in those. So basically what he does is he creates the problem and then he presents himself as the person who can fix the problem. Yeah, it was known as a false flag. It operation. is. Yeah. And so again, maybe something familiar with those. Yeah, you may be familiar with those. Uh, they've been pretty prevalent over the last few years. So anyway, um, they strike out, they reband, they strike out to clear their name. Um, and that's the plot of marvel's avengers now matt one thing i realized when i learned also, about captain this, america fear, yeah fear that he is dies. It, isn't that civil war isn't that the plot from civil war what that doesn't captain america get framed and then like the whole movie's about like clearing his name um not really uh, he gets uh, it's a it is a there is a false flag attack but they frame uh, bucky bucky the, the winter right. soldier and yeah, then captain america Captain America goes kind of uh, rogue to because he doesn't think Bucky did it. And he's right. But um, it's kind of that argument over. And it's more of a conflict between him and Iron Man because they believe different things about how they should be monitored. Right. Um, which I'm sure comes up like because in the, when the helicarrier blows up, it's like supposed to be demonstrating some like some like experimental new power source using Terrigen crystals. Yeah, the Avengers had some experimental yeah. source and the Ter bad guys are trying to steal it. Yeah, and Terrigen, and that's what blows up and kills, quote unquote, kills Captain America because clearly he's going to come back because he's yeah. a playable character. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, and the other thing about the Terrigen, so the Terrigen stuff is tied in with the Inhumans. Uh, Terrigen mist is what gives Inhumans uh, their their powers like, uh, and can also affect, you know, if you have the Inhuman uh uh, genetic marker somewhere in you. If you get exposed to Terrigen mist, it can cause you to, to have powers. So I would imagine if the fact that they're using Terrigen crystals in this is going to somehow lead to something like that. Um, well, they uh, said somewhere in the there. story that specifically um, when it explodes, it San Francisco is surrounded by many inhumans. And so um, mm -hmm. the leader... Oh God, I forgot his name already. The villain. What's the villain's name? Modoc. Modoc is trying to say that he's going to cure the inhumans mm, right. by getting yeah. rid of the plague because he considered it as a pe pandemic. And so he right. says, I'm going to solve the yeah. issue, but he's actually experimenting on them instead. Yeah. So that, yeah, they, I'll admit until I saw this in the rundown this morning, I forgot this presentation. <laughs> that happened. It happened. Like it had so little impact on me that like, I really did forget. And then I like looked, I, when I saw it, I went and I looked, um, at like the the sifted articles, and I checked the comments, and I realized I'd read the comment section and not on, the on the, no, I watched the I watched the presentation when it happened, and then I read the comments on sifted, but I completely forgot uh, that, that about all of it. And then I was reading the comments, I'm like, I've read these before. Wait a minute, oh, I did I did see this. Like it was it was bizarre. Like it was part of that might just be pandemic brain, but like part of it was also that like this whole thing is making no impression on me, which is really should really disturb some people over at Square Enix because if you have one mark for this thing, it's me. Like this is like me not reacting to a Star Wars game. Yeah. So. Seriously. It's a big it's a, a big ding. Um I would agree with you. Um I wasn't impressed with it when we got kind of the first round of footage. Um but I will say it it looks better than the first time I saw it, but it's completely mm -hmm. unremarkable. It just looks like any other licensed superhero game. And, yeah. you know, when you have a studio like that working on it, 
I expected a lot more. I'll be perfectly honest with you. And before we started taping the show, Matt, you kind of mentioned something that you think has been the root of the problem with this game. I think it's just, I mean, I think it's the problem with this game is because Crystal Dynamics is an entirely competent developer. We know that they've made some really good stuff. Um, Obviously there's turnover with any development team, but as far as I know, most of the important leads are still there. Um, I think what's happened here is a classic example of a licensed game causing you to have to serve too many masters. Like, I think you've got Disney has opinions and Marvel has a Marvel entertainment has opinions and Marvel studios has opinions and crystal dynamics probably has their own ideas about how things should go. And then you probably got people mediating between the two. And then you've got square Enix who clearly sees this as a game as a service uh, opportunity, which is sort of a thing that's kind of going away at this point. Like, you know, I think the game as a service window is sort of closing at this point. Like that's not the hotness right now, right now. Like it was when destiny two launched or whatever. Uh, I feel like a lot of that you can lay at the, the feet of Anthem. Uh, like I think that spooked a lot of people in the AAA space in terms of that format. But I think you're just dealing with like, it has to be like this. No, we want it like this. It has to be like this. It should be like this. And then on top of that, you've got how many different characters uh, just to start out with. It's like what, like six or seven Avengers yeah, um, at least. Uh, and then like, I think Hawkeye is supposed to be a, a downloadable character at launch or something. So maybe it's eight. I can't remember exactly, but like you, every single one of those characters has to play differently. Mm-hmm. Like you're basically making seven games. Well, they did point. say that the controls are consistent across all the characters, right. save for their special powers. But even the the actual inputs that you use for that are the same. Mm-hmm. So but you're still doing like, a whole different set of animation stuff, right. and like like the, that's the thing though is like, and I don't, obviously we haven't seen how the different characters play extensively enough to know because they've shown mo- a lot of Thor. We've seen a lot of Thor. That seems to be the thing that the character they're most confident with. Um, and watching because, him in action, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, well, because I think because he's he's closely modeled off of Kratos uh, and how he fights in uh-huh. the new God of War, and so I think that seems to be the thing they they which is funny because I thought that in the last year's demo, the character that came off the best was Hull. Yeah, um, and like I agree with that. My thing is like I we don't know we don't see how the other characters play yet, but like my thing is even if you're using the same control scheme they have to feel different. They have to interact different. Yeah. Like the animation of Thor can't land the same way Captain America's do or the way Black Widow's do. You have to, they all have to feel different in terms of how they fight, what what, what it feels like when you make contact with the enemy. Like that's that's what makes Timing, for satisfying. Parries, yeah, exactly. All that stuff, yeah. And like, it just doesn't look like that's here. And you can see in the demo they do here with Thor fighting all the robots and stuff, two main things jump out at me. Uh, and by jump out at me, I mean make me go to sleep, apparently, because <laughs> I forgot about it until I, until you mentioned it this morning. Um, you can see how rough a lot of it is in terms of sort of the positioning of the character and how he kind of snaps into his combo animations and how, mm-hmm. like, janky that looks, and also just how constantly even the guy or the, or, or the girl playing it to, to demo it keeps getting knocked out of stuff and kind of, like, look like, getting there reset. Are- Combos. It looks not like, really. No. It looks like, like you do a move. It stops, and then you initiate another move. There's almost this weird kind of reset thing that happens in between attacks. Well, like, I think there's a. I think there's like a two, a three or four hit like basic melee combo, a basic melee attack, and then like when you you can probably mix in like one special move at the end of that or in the middle of it. There's a, but in there's terms a of really, ch- there's a light. But in it, yeah, but in terms of really shoulder. chaining stuff, I don't I don't see that happening. I don't know if they're saving that for later it's or possible. if that's just not what Thor does. But with the ability to toss the hand. And like you'd think there'd be juggle potential there, but it doesn't look like they're moving in that direction, which is 
I guess somewhat understandable, but like in terms of like having to do this whole huge thing, but like it feels like that's what they're going to need to do if they want this thing to be replayable. And even watching this demo, by the third like robot in a dome shield thing, I was like, I'm bored already. Like I wow. like I'm looking at this and I'm like, and you know, just from playing games like Destiny, etc., you're going to be fighting robots in domes for like. 10 levels later too like was like yeah, this is no. this is clearly a, a core gameplay concept you know um fighting robots then, in games always sucks yeah well also here's the thing and this is just my bias as an old school comic fan uh aim is the most boring marvel villain organization uh i can think of like i just don't care about any well maybe Do you think they had to pick up scraps meaning that maybe marvel was like well no we're using that for a film or we're using that for this and they there just might got be some of that yeah. yeah or at least or it might be you know knowing how marvel games play out um aim might not be the villain the whole campaign like right. it probably because you know, aim is a good like starter villain. starter villain you no know? like he's like <laughs> aim is is sort of a good like cannon fodder like no one cares like just beat the shit out of him you know it's like basically you're going to start with aim or hydra yeah. um as your your initial sort of break-in period the problem is that aim is a really dull thing and like you want to see some of the big guys you want to see some other stuff you want to see some scrolls or some cree or something mm-hmm. um but like instead we're seeing this or some doom bots or something you know but like instead you're watching you know the i mean even in universe people make the, the characters make fun of the aim soldiers because they look so stupid with their their beekeeper masks and stuff and Sounds like, like they had to pick from scraps or something I think they're just. I think they're just picking like the most obvious like starter group, and like they maybe thought Modok was a fun opener villain, which like they make him look menacing is. in the trailer at least. Yeah, I mean Modok is <laughs> Modok can be a lot of fun if they if they if he's done right. Um, yeah, because he is so ridiculous, and like it kind of you can kind of sell the whole aim thing because aim is more or less like a James Bond Spectre kind of thing, except they're scientists. Um, and so you get a lot of tech. The other thing I don't like about AIM is that their 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 core color is bright yellow, so it just looks stupid. I think that's <laughs> dumb. Like, they all look like construction workers or something. It's very weird. Mitch, what's your take on what was shown this week? Uh, it looks really bad. Like, I agree with everything Matt said. To clarify for Matt... Um, the shoulder buttons. There's a hard, a hard, um, a hard and a, a quick attack and a hard attack, and uh, you can s- intermediately switch between the two, and that's their only combo system. And then you gang up um, a meter to be able to spend uh, ability point to use one of those special moves, so you can like do it in combination with the combo. But um, so I the think- so the special moves can be used only as you build a combo bar, and not as a matter of like time cooldown. Is that right? To what I listened to, I thought that's what they said. Okay. Yeah. That seems like something you could vary between characters depending on how they operate to yeah. make them feel a little different. Like Iron Man having cooldowns versus Thor having to hit things to use lightning might be a, a character differentiation idea, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. It's also dangerous, too, because you go against the canon of the character. If you start putting cooldowns on some stuff, it's a and you have all the characters, you have to consider each one. It starts to get a little little messy yeah but i really just didn't like I, I this reminded me of the old ps2 licensed games that just didn't work well they just were you know his movements his animation just doesn't work and i think the biggest issue for me is we just got off avengers endgame and even with black widow being delayed so much 
I wasn't really planning on going to see Black Widow. I kind of felt like I needed a solid break from Avengers, and this gives me no motivation to go back and feel interested again in re-getting in touch with that franchise. Um, I think this game came out too late. Like, if it came out last year or the year before that... Or in, like, 2004. Yeah, you know, like, I think people's (laughs) interest would be there. And I think, unfortunately, because of the long development cycle this thing has gone through, it's, it's at a severe disadvantage. And I think with Matt's comment about, you know, games as a service is not favorable as much anymore, this proves how long this thing has been in development because at that time, games as a service started to become something that was in the gaming industry and now it's been in development so long it's no longer really that famous to be around on yeah they definitely missed their window and like i would say to kind of counterpoint that i am ready for more marvel uh i felt kind of done at the end of endgame but spider-man far from home got me like excited again about phase four and so i am missing black widow i would like to see black widow i would not go to a theater to see black widow because i'm not crazy but like, I would like to see it. I'm ready for more Marvel. And like, I was kind of thinking like, wow, you'd think that with like kind of this Marvel drought, I'd be excited for anything at this point. Right. And I'm still in the <laughs> So, so you've got one person who doesn't want any more Marvel who feels that way about this game. And you got one person that feel it really wants more Marvel and also feels that way about this game. That seems like a bad sign to me. Yeah. I think the final thing is literally this game is just battlefields. Like literally it's just an arena and you throw yourself in there. And I I mean, I like it's it. Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nicer... Yeah. I really skins. struggle to see any differences between this and Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 that launched for Switch like half a year ago. It's really just the perspective of the camera, the the budget, obviously. Um, even though Mitch is right that like it's it looks janky in terms of presentation. You can tell, obviously, this is a very high-budget AAA game. Yeah. Um, just in terms of the effects going on and, and the care taken in the environment design... But like, uh, or you know, the design of what it looks like, not what you're doing. Um, but the other thing about it is like, at least Marvel Ultimate Alliance, you, you have a team. Yeah. Like you have four characters, you're doing team up moves, you're doing so. Like I don't see a lot of interaction between the characters in this, which is weird. Still, uh, yeah, I, was, I talked about that not, before. Not there's a team up, but like it's not common. And the other thing is like the the dialogue doesn't match what's happening on the screen much like at one point Thor asks like, who's the, who's the girl and what's she doing here? Referring to Ms. Marvel, who was not part of the team when the team collapsed three years ago. And they're like, Oh, she's okay. I'm like, what girl? Like he, she's not there. I didn't see, you can't her. see her. I can't see her anywhere. So what did Thor, what's Thor talking about? Like, it's just stuff like that. That feels like weird and sloppy and kind of like, I don't know. Like in that moment, and- Matt, they didn't show it, but, she was on the intercom saying something, and it was Miss uh, Marvel. She was talking right. to him. She she's, she's talking to him, so but like, how, does, how does he know she's a little girl? I, I, yeah, I, 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 no, I totally agree with you. I think, like, the, and that's supposed to be a story mission. That's, like, even mm-hmm. worse. The fact that they can't convey a story, uh, it has to just be this battlefield, and then the only way you get story plot points is through your headset. Like, that's just not mm-hmm. good storytelling. Like there's like a couple of good things. Like I like that he's wearing the the tour guide shirt or whatever, like with his name tag on it. Like that's funny. Um, like there's some I, clearly there's character things in here that work. And like I think the voice cast is doing their best to sell these personalities. Um, like although I do, I will say that I don't like Thor's voice choice. Like I, I don't really like most of them, to be honest with you. I mean, I I've think, said this from the beginning that they just, it just doesn't work for me because I'm so used to hearing this character speak a certain way. But well, I'm not. I'm used Nor. to. See, 
Well, I'm used to hearing them a certain way in the movies, but I'm also used to hearing them as a certain with different voice actors in the cartoons they do, and that's not this cast. It's weird yeah. they switch it. And Nolan North is uh, Iron Man, right? Yeah. Like I didn't know who he who he was supposed to be early on in the demo. Like I'm like, who is that? T-? I guess it's Iron Man. Eventually Which they show Iron Man. Voice, yeah. And like the voices are very indistinct, and like like I figure the the woman talking is Black Widow because. There's only the one woman, right? <laughs> and she yeah. sounds too old to be Ms. Marvel. Um, it's just weird. Like, it's there's a lack of distinction between how they talk, and not even just how they talk. It's not a voice acting thing so much as like the, 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 the lines they're reading don't feel like they were written for the characters. They're just there to get information out. Yeah. Um, which I'm is sure a there real, will be tons of real nitpick. And, right. Yeah. But it's just like, you're early in the in the game. You're, it is clearly an early story mission. After the what we saw was probably the tutorial level from last E3, and this is probably the first thing you really play after you get the cutscenes about what happened after the time jump. And it just feels like this thing should be putting a better foot forward to pull you into the game and like make you invested. And I don't see it. I just don't see it. Yeah. So maybe the bigger question is the. I mean, the response to this round of footage hasn't been great either. Um, we know for a fact that the people that work there are very in tune with what's going on on the interwebs around games. Do you think there's a chance that this might get delayed out of the year? I mean, maybe. I, I See, I think you're still kind of up against the wall that Mitch mentioned that, like, this game should have been out three years ago. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I still they think there's going to be a lot of interest. Not as much, but I still somewhat, think there's going like, to be a lot. So, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be zero, but like if this thing had been able to release the month after Endgame came out a year ago, like that would have been a completely different ballgame. Like, yeah. And not even not even just in the sense that I think in the sense that I think it would have been a better game, not necessarily, but I do think you would have had a ton of impulse buys from people who wanted to keep that Avengers high going. Yeah. And now you're going to hit a point where like the other thing is like, I don't think you want to delay it too far, because I think if you put it out this September, you're going to benefit from the quarantine bump. Um, yeah. People got nothing else to do. Um, and if you push it too far next year, I don't think you can push it out of the fiscal. So it'd have to be by the end of March. Right. Is that going to buy you much time? Are you gonna, I mean, you'd have to rip this thing apart and put it back together, basically. They might be able to fix some of the stuff we're kind of nitpicking, though, with like, yeah. foot, like foot placement and some of the animation stuff that's a little hitchy. Like that's that type of stuff they could fix up in that amount of time. Yeah, polish matters on that. Um, it could. I just... It, I, I don't I think feel like will. I agree with you. I just, you know, I always have to play devil's advocate on the show. So I just feel like it's going to also, you, isn't that one of your games? You probably don't want it to slip out yeah. this year. <laughs> um, I just don't like, at this point, it feels like uh, you just, just put it out and hope that it, enough people are interested and aren't paying attention that they buy it anyway, and then fix it later. Their marketing budget is going to guarantee a lot of sales. Yeah. They're going to put a ton of money behind it. There's going to be ads during live sports, like constantly. If there's um, live sports. If there is, yeah. <laughs> but And I think there will at first. I think a lot of these leagues are going to start, and then the crap's going to hit the fan, and then they're mm-hmm. going to stop. So as, anyway, as Anakin said, you will try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just I'm just happy they're even trying, to be honest with you. They probably would be smart to just shut it down for the year. But anyway, um, so, you know, they do these things to increase our hype level. And this basically was Avengers E3 2020 presentation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Matt, did it increase your interest in the game at all? No, um, not at all. No. I mean, it's it's still like, were there any real surprises in this? No, like it's yeah. it's pretty much what we thought it would be or already knew it to be. Um, it didn't like make me want to play it. Like, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm not going to skip it. Like, uh, you know, it's it's the big game of early September. I'm not going to 
ignore it, you know, especially since uh, Cyberpunk isn't that month anymore either. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm still going to play it. Um, it's just, I don't know. Like I, I, I feel like I would, I feel like I should be more excited about this than I am. Like it feels like I should have more of a reaction to it the way I reacted to squadrons. Yep. Um, and because it hasn't been as long since since Tie Fighter, but like it's been a long time since we had a real Avengers game, a real yeah. Marvel game that yep. wasn't like you know Spider Man or uh, you know. But like people keep comparing this thing to X Men Destiny, and I have a hard time disagreeing with them. Yeah. What about if you? Anyone remembers that game? Yeah. <laughs> well, that you just made your point, right? Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Mitch? Uh, I'm change your I, opinion at all? No, it, it, my opinion's still the same. I think it's not a very good. It's probably not going to be a very good game, but they can they can surprise me. I guess the one thing that really just solidified it more than anything with this event is that this is very much uh, Destiny, but with a Marvel cover on it. Like they have the shops, mm. they have everything that Destiny has, and we just talked two weeks ago about how much we didn't want more Destiny DLC. So that kind of just puts the enthusiasm of understanding how I feel about it. I mean, so to Matt's point say... earlier about people meddling, I mean, that's probably the biggest issue. Is that Square Enix wants it to be a game as a service, and they're they're having to try to make all this stuff work within those confines. Mm. Well, the only thing they've said publicly is that everything will be free except. Uh, exclusive costumes if you want certain there will be many costumes you can get that are free but there will be exclusive ones that you have to purchase but besides that all the dlc all the characters will be free according to square enix my story-based dlc stuff will be free correct they are, they wow. say this is just the beginning like basically this is their anthem and so this thing is going to continue <laughs> well, for many years well, that's probably not, not a great comparison i know <laughs> but in regards to like continued support for free uh, that's yeah. what they're planning on doing, mm -hmm. and so and so with everything they've showed, it looks like Destiny. Just Marvel. did they say anything about like um, when if you get to actually pick the character you play? Like uh, so, so, cert, so, cert, so there's two different ways. There's two different mission types. There's the story missions, and then there is the co-op ones. And there's two different co-op ones. I forgot the names, but there's one that's just two player, and there's one that's four player. Those are just like arena type battles that take place with um, against the robots. It, they say it does interact slightly with the story, but it's not a story mission. Um, and then the story, those you can pick any character you want out of the crew, um, but you can't have the same two characters. So you can't have two Captain Americas. You can only have one. Uh, but in the story mission, those are exclusively for that character only. So the because the we cinematics saw, like, are all set exactly. up around him, the story so, like, the set one, up around him. So the one we saw for Thor, that was his story mission, and so that was only playable with Thor, and that is only single player. Yep. Uh, for me personally, um, I would say. I may be a little bit more excited for it, but at the same time, I have kind of resigned myself that it's ultimately not going to be an, an amazing game. Um, when we saw it at E3 last year, I was like, okay, you know, they got some time and then they delayed it. Yeah. And I'm like, they got some more time. So I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. But now what we're seeing now, if they do plan on releasing it here in the beginning, the first week of September, there's not going to be a lot of opportunity them for them to really polish the game up. So um, I'm a little more interested in the game, but my long-term prospects for it have kind of soured. Uh, yeah, I was definitely like, you know, certainly last year I was willing to say, hey, it's, you know, it's, yeah. they got they had a, a year. year. They had yeah. a year. And this is all we got. So, yeah. so like, anyway. this is I mean, this is what we're getting in, what, yeah. two September months? September 4th, yeah. 
So there you go. That's Marvel's Avengers. Uh, I don't know if we'll get a lot more on this before the game comes out um, because this was kind of their big E3 presentation. They said more um, announcements soon. So I think they're okay. doing stuff in the next few months to announce different things. I'm sure we'll get tons of trailers for characters. Yeah, trailers and little things and interviews and stuff. But this, I'm sure this is the biggest the big old blowout, blowout thing. I mean, this this looks like pretty much what you would have seen if you went into the booth. Yeah. Uh, if, if you went to the booth at E3. Yep. Hour-long presentation. There is a beta. If you pre-order the game, you can get onto the beta. Mm. That's so that, interesting. So you, you know early whether you wasted your money or not. <laughs> so that's good because you can play the beta and then you can ask for a refund yeah. <laughs> if you don't like it. All right. Time to move on. We're going to talk next about Xbox Series X. Uh, we're going to talk specifically, though, about one of the models of Xbox Series X. As you know, if you've been watching Game Face, uh, we've talked several times about how there are reportedly two different versions coming. There's the main Xbox Series X, which is the one you're familiar with, the one they've been promoting. And then there's a, a le- an underpowered version called Lockhart uh, that is also on the way. It's all been kind of conjecture and rumors up until this week. And then this week, essentially what happened was Microsoft distributed a new information for the dev kits out to developers. And in that documentation, Lockhart was mentioned over and over and over again. And not only was it mentioned over and over again, it was also mentioned that this feature that we're talking about right now probably will not work on Lockhart, which also shows you that it is in fact a, an underpowered console compared to the base Xbox series X. Matt, what kind of price do you think they should put on this thing? Now, the initial leaks are saying that it's going to have the same CPU as the base Xbox Series X, but it will mm-hmm. have a different GPU. I mean, I'm guessing you're probably looking at 100 bucks cheaper than the other one. Do you think that's was, enough? I mean, not enough to me. Like, like this, the question is, like, how far do you drop this thing so that you still aren't taking a bath on it, but, like... It still seems like a good value, but it doesn't seem close enough to the higher end model that you just want to save an extra hundred bucks and buy that instead. Um, and that's always been kind of a struggle for me. That's I mean, I not that I the part of it is because I don't really have a, a tremendously strict strained budget for these things. So like, I will always just get the better one for like the extra hundred bucks the, or whatever. What do you think the price gap needs to be? To make it enticing, because a hundred bucks to me—that's a no-brainer. I'm buying the more expensive. Just buy the more expensive one. Yeah. Yeah. But what number do you think it is? Where you're like, okay. Well, I don't know. Tr- traditionally, it has been a hundred bucks. You know, yeah. like the the difference between the 360 models was about a hundred was a hundred bucks, if I recall correctly. Um, I would say closer to two hundred. Yeah. Would, would be like the the part where you're really looking at catching some people that otherwise couldn't afford the system. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If Series X is five, you sell Lockhart at three. Three, yeah. That would make sense to me. I, I mean, I would imagine the GPU is the biggest savings you could make. Like, the CPU is not going to be that pricey yeah. to keep the same CPU in the thing. It's the GPU that is... Because you're going to cut a break sort of the on cost. all the CPUs that you're buying. So if it makes sense to use the same CPU for Lockhart... Why not? Because mm-hmm. you're going to be getting those parts at a much cheaper rate. It just makes me wonder, like, then what happens to the Xbox One prices? I think uh, they just they discontinue those. Yeah, probably. And, and like, what you know, what they're talking about, like, oh, this doesn't work. This won't work on Lockhart. What does that entail? Like, you're yeah. Like, hopefully, they're very transparent about what the the Lockhart can do and not do. 
I mean, my um, guess is it's going to be at least more powerful than Xbox One X. Marginally, I would think, yeah. Especially Which with means- uh, at the very least, the CPU is going to help. It's going to be going to be give it, give it a bit of a boost. I can't imagine the GPU will be weaker than the Xbox One X. Yeah. Um, I mean, my guess is it'll probably be able to run Xbox Series X games at 1080p, 60 mm-hmm. frames a second. That's like my guess. That seems optimistic. The frame rate. Oh yeah. I think the yeah. frame rate. Um, I think the frame rate will probably be less than that. Um, I mean, maybe 1080p. I don't know, but like. My main thing is I think it won't have the bells and whistles like the ray tracing and stuff yep, like that. I'd agree with that. Well, especially if they're having it, you're going to use a different GPU. Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff's all, you know, built to the metal on those GPUs. So I don't know that they really have a choice if they choose to use a cheaper one. And obviously all the GPUs right now with ray tracing are top of the line and really expensive. So they could save a ton of money by going with a cheaper GPU, but you're mm-hmm. right. You would lose all those kinds of bells and whistles that are really what make Gen 9 Gen 9, let's be honest. I mean, that's what we're paying all this money for are those bells and whistles. So- yeah, I think the Unreal 5 demo really nails it. It's like if you can't do some of these new effects, it's not going to look that different from yeah. what we already have. Yep, absolutely. It almost um, feels like Lockhart is going to like if you if they if you're right and they do discontinue the Xbox One just entirely and Lockhart kind of replaces that section of SKUs, like it almost feels like Lockhart exists purely so people who can't afford the crazy beast can still be involved and can still you know play I mean? hopefully yeah. can still play the games even if they're yeah. not at a great fidelity or whatever. Right. Like if you just want to play Halo uh cuz it yeah, kind of feels like because it kind of feels like you're, um, unless you don't have, unless you already have an Xbox One, which I guess I guess you can play it on that, but um, or a PC. But it does kind of feel again like this generation is a reset for the Xbox brand. Yeah, like like they've, they've maybe finally come up with like a permanent way to brand the system moving forward. Like, you know, like we've talked about how, oh, they'll call it Series This and Series That, mm-hmm. and the successor to the Series X maybe won't be a brand new system. It will just be an Xbox Series Z, Z or whatever, or you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, like, like, like a phone. Like, like, yeah. like phones don't like rebrand X, all the time. The XR, the XS. Yeah. So, that, and like maybe getting rid of the Xbox One is part of that plan. And like that will just be, if you just want an entry level system, you're going for the Lockhart. And that makes sense. It does. You know, it, it simplifies makes perfect it. sense. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, honestly, I think the gap in pricing uh, between Series X and Lockhart will be bigger than the gap in pricing between the two versions of PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess. Because all you're getting extra on PlayStation 5 is the drive. So. And do we know for sure that uh, PlayStation 5 has two different models? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they showed it in the trailer. Oh, one, right, the, one, the, the disc drive disc and not disc drive. Okay, yeah. not power differential. No, no, no. The hardware is exactly the same. You get a disc yeah. drive in one and not in the other, which, you know, the most... Yeah, I don't think that... Charge extra be. for that is like 50 bucks, more than that, and it's pretty dirty. So mm-hmm. I would guess the gap for Lockhart will be bigger than 50 bucks. Um, yeah, I would, definitely. I would argue it has to be at least 150, or I just think people won't care. So Yeah, and I think 200 feels more likely just because round numbers are preferred you know yeah. like you know, it's not that it's the end of the world if you sell something for something you know something like 349 but like yeah. it's nice it's nicer to have 299 399 like that's people, a game you know, that's a game you can buy with your new system so yeah. it, it definitely makes a difference um well, if it comes then, with a game pass you're kind right. of set already you are and that could very well be the case with lockhart as well um mm-hmm. that it does come with game pass and that could be a way that they get the price of the lockhart 
up a little bit more closer to maybe that $400 range. Um, if they do something like that, uh, we'll see. And does that open them up to be feel okay charging 600 mm, for the X? I sure hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I mean, there's a, that's a big chunk of change. If you're planning yeah. on buying both next gen consoles this fall, I mean, you're going to drop like $1,300 yeah. in like a month. So tax alone. Start saving those pennies, people, if you want both of these things. And if you uh, want games with it. Yeah. Like it adds it. up fast, man, for sure. Like throw uh, throw fifteen hundred bucks aside because that's where we're going here. Yep, exactly. Um, and then a couple other small details have leaked over the last twenty four hours. Um, one that leaked today was the Series X was meant to launch in August mm. of this year. Um that's and, now, and now they're saying that Lockhart's announcement is going to happen in August. So it sounds like due to the COVID, everything has just been shifted back mm -hmm. um, a few, a couple months, a few months at least. Makes you, you wonder what's happening over on the good earth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll say this. If they actually had managed to pull that off and launched Series X in August, that could have given them a nice little head start because I don't see PlayStation until at least a month after that or maybe yeah. more. And that would have been real interesting to, if that had been the plan and like, you know, you they would have gotten up at a theoretical E3 and been like, yeah, it's out in two months. Yeah. Here's Halo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's pretty it good. It could have been huge. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't work out that nope. way. <laughs> Nothing has worked out the way we had planned in 2020. No. That's, it's the year that we'll always remember, but we'll want to forget. 2020 is what happens when you're busy <laughs> making other plans. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, Mitch, what do you think about Lockhart? Would you be, would you be, would it, t would it tempt you to buy Lockhart at $300 if Series X is 500 No. No? You would I think still it's, it's a, it's plunk down the extra version. two? It's, I, I never want to play an inferior device. Like, if I'm going to play something, I want to play the best model you got. So if I'm going to be limited on what I can experience, especially with Lockhart um, not potentially not having ray tracing because of the lack of the GPU... Um, that, like you said, Shane, that is one of the, the staples of next generation is, uh, is the ray tracing. And so I, it's really tricky. And I think Microsoft, again, puts themselves in a tricky, sticky situation about how to market this. Um, I, I know that there's people that will want to buy a cheaper version of a console, but to have the basic consumer understand a difference, that's going to be tricky. And I think that's what an issue they've always ran into. And I think that's where Sony makes it easier on themselves to say, hey, we have two models, one without a disk drive, one with a disk drive. It's the same exact thing. And so I think that's the one advantage Sony does have, even if the price is still just as expensive as a top tier model. Well, the one thing that Microsoft does have working in its favor, and it knows this because it just put out a trailer for it this week as kind of a counter argument to all the PlayStation 5 hype, is backwards compatibility. Um, it's something that they're going to be able to offer that I don't believe any other platform is going to be able to match, at least as far as how extensive it is and thorough it is. Um, so that is one thing that could maybe offset it. I, I hear what you're saying, but see, Microsoft does have an arrow in its, in its quiver that it can use still. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they are dominating that in regards to the conversation at the moment. Sony said they will address that next month. And I think the games that people want to be backwards compatible for PlayStation 5, most likely, depending on their according to their statements they've already made, will probably already be available for backwards compatibility. It's probably the Xbox 
original Xbox games that people love that want to continue are the fans that they're teetering towards. And I don't think there's a big enough fan base to support that, clearly, because there are more PlayStation 5 on um, PlayStation 4s than there are Xbox Series Xs or Xbox Ones. Yep. So I'm not, sorry, there is, Xbox One X. Yeah, we See, know what you again mean. marketing. It's, it's yeah, the no, it's is easy. Dumb. They're easy to mix up. I'm sure if I went back and listened to a bunch of game faces, there's a ton of times where I mixed up Xbox One X or Xbox One S. Uh, the nomenclature is not easy to remember, um, but the price is. <laughs> <laughs> Consumers won't be confused when they go to buy one when they look at the price tag. I, That's I think for the, sure. Sorry, the last thing I just thought of now is this tag about optimized for Xbox Series X, I think is no longer compatible anymore because Sony already is going to have games that are coming out this generation that will be available and optimized for next generation. So that tag really doesn't matter anymore. Like it's just, you put it in and if it'll be improved, it'll be improved. You don't need the sticker anymore. I think they are saying they're the they're in the way by putting that sticker, are kind of saying we're the only ones doing this, but they're not no longer. Yep. So anyway, that's Xbox Lockhart, at least what we know right now. Uh, just to recap, it sounds like we're going to get an announcement in August. The initial rumors, at least, are suggesting that Series X was supposed to launch in August, which would have been a huge deal if it had ever happened, which it didn't. Uh, still waiting on that release date, though. Um, it's still looking like November, I think, to me. It just seems it's just all lining up for that way, and that would make sense. That's typically when consoles launch anyway. Kudos to Microsoft for trying to do something new, though. I admire that they... And it does seem like they're farther ahead than Sony is, although we did see this week the... Did you guys see the photo of the first PS5 off the production line this week? Mm -mm. No. The, these three guys who work in the factory took it off the line and took a photo with it. And now I'm sure they're all fired. But okay. yeah, they, they, the photo made it to social media of these three factory workers holding the first PlayStation 5. It's gigantic. He was holding it in his arms and it comes up above like his chest, almost to his chin. So no I, joke. I know. I, big. I, I know you were wanting to continue, but I do have one quick thing since you brought that into play was uh, I think the only, the only thing to counteract that with is you know, Sony has mainstream and John Oliver just made a comment about he would trample people to go get a PlayStation yeah. 5 because he actually Horizon cracked Zero like Dawn. three video game jokes in a row yeah, on this impressive. week's episode. He, know, he knows games pretty well. He does, yeah. And, and oh, you so, can tell by the way he delivered the jokes, he knows games. Yeah, so Microsoft doesn't have that going for him. Yeah. I mean, we'll Microsoft. Had, they, there's they tons of celebrities that are on board with Xbox. Yeah, Conan Cyber will do. Conan will do his his stuff with Xbox. Cyberpunk's on board with Xbox. It's all. They're all just jockeying right now, trying to mm -hmm. figure out how to spend their money, trying to find the right influencers to get the right mix. It's there's crazy stuff going on behind the scenes right now that most people don't care about, but uh, it makes a big difference and it's really important. All right, let's move on. We're actually going to stay with Microsoft here for the next topic. We're going to talk about Mixer. Mixer is Microsoft's attempt at competing with Twitch. Uh, it's a game streaming platform. And if you guys remember about a year ago, they gave Ninja, the world's biggest streamer, a gigantic contract to leave Twitch and stream exclusively on Mixer. And apparently it, the strategy did not work out because on July 22nd, 2020, Mixer is being shut down for good. Not only is it being shut down for good, Microsoft has formed a partnership with Facebook Gaming. So if you have a Mixer account, 
it will automatically be transferred over to Facebook Gaming. Also, most importantly for people who are streaming on Mixer, if you were a partner on Mixer, and for those of you who don't know, partner just basically means that you can make ad revenue and you get a lot of perks from the company. It's the same deal on Twitch. But if you were a partner on Mixer and you go over to Facebook Gaming, you will be a partner there too. So if you had built an audience on Mixer um, or you had built your account up to the point where you were making money off of it, that's not going to change when you go to Facebook Gaming. However, I think the, the, the big question becomes why? Why? I've got a bunch of whys. Why did Microsoft ever launch, launch Mixer? That's an easier one to answer because you need a competitor in every space. Why did they give Ninja so much money, but then did nothing else? And three, why are they giving up so quickly? Matt, do you want to answer those? Or do you have answers for them? Um, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, my guess is that Twitch is such a juggernaut that at some point you just look at the numbers and you're like, we are not going to pull this off. Um, do you think the goal is always to become number one? Or do you think the goal is to just have a profitable business? Like, I don't care if Sifted's the biggest gaming Patreon on Patreon. I don't care how many people come or how many followers I have on Twitter. All I care about is that I'm able to make a living off of Sifted. I think Microsoft at least cares about being number one on their own platform. And I don't think that was happening. Um, I also think that if you have decided not to have an official integration with the new system, you got to pull the plug. Um, my, my, I know they kind of sprang this on the, on the mixer partners and everything, but like, because of the rumor of the, the Xbox series X launching in August originally, I feel like this was probably planned because, mm. because he, because the people ask like, okay, so is Facebook gaming going to be the, the streamer integration on series X? And I believe, uh, Phil said there is no, integrate they're, they're like you can have you all have a choice of whatever you want to stream yeah um so if they decided to do that and not have mixer be kind of the the banner for that on the new system it would make sense to pull the plug on that before you launch the new system because there's going to be a lack of continuity there um as for like what their strategy was like i honestly kept forgetting it existed um, mixer mixer yeah i had like, an account there i didn't even know so i went to mixer today i've only been there probably like 10 times total ever. But I went there today to just to kind of grab some footage for B-roll for our conversation and just kind of look at the latest version of it to get the lay of the land so I could speak intelligently about it. And uh, I had an account there. Like I already I mean, had... I if you have an Xbox account, you have a Mixer account. Oh, is that how it works? I think it that's didn't how say, it works. It yeah. didn't say Dinfire on my account though, which is what threw me for a loop. I was yeah, like, I, I never signed up for Mixer. How do I have a freaking account here? It's pretty crazy. Um, so I don't care if my account moves over, but if I had built an audience there, I certainly would. Like if Twitch ever closes down and they're like, well, we're moving over here, I would hope to hell that all the followers we build on Twitch would be able to migrate over uh, to that. I don't, I don't even know, honestly, if the followers move over to Facebook gaming or if it's just your status as a streamer. I don't I never know. saw any details on that. That wouldn't require a level of integration with Facebook gaming that I feel like they probably don't have. Yeah. It's possible. Um, so you believe that Microsoft just saw it as an unwinnable battle and it, it strives to be number one in a space and it didn't feel like it could do that, so it decided to pull the plug? Not necessarily. I mean, number one is nice and I'm sure they're always aiming for that, but I feel like this didn't even, Mixer probably didn't even hit like the internal like acceptable numbers. 
Yeah. I mean, um, the other thing, and I mean, I guess, you know, I think what did Ninja have like 6 million followers on Mixer last time I checked? Something, something like, like that. Something like that. It was so not he, on the level of what he had on Twitch. Yeah, he never reached those heights at all. And well, now I mean, he, they, he's a, he's out of his contract, by the way. They let him out of the contract, which they yeah, have they, to pay. They bought out a bunch of they bought him out and a couple of other high level guys. Um, so they did fine. They they. Yeah. I hope they're investing some of that million, <laughs> those millions of dollars, because like at some point, like you know, the thing that blows my mind is that you can have somebody who like got their contract bought out for like ten million dollars. So like Ninja made what, like ten million dollars for like eighteen months of work on this, yeah. And like, why are you still doing too. this? Like, <laughs> I, it, I know why. Being Ninja, a streamer sucks. It does like, suck. I, I don't know why he was. I mean, it's what he does. It really is his vocation. But if I were him, I would just dream like once a week or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he must love it. That's all I can figure. Maybe that's maybe. why he's so dang good at it. Is because he loves doing it. And I mean. Full disclosure, I hate to tell people, and we're on Twitch right now doing this, full disclosure, if you talk to most game journalists and YouTubers and streamers, they don't like it. They don't like streaming. It's a necessary evil. It's something that you almost have to do if you want to be successful now. Um, but most people don't like doing it. That's just the truth. Um, a lot of these big streamers, I mean, they basically become actors at this point. Their job mm -hmm. is almost like they're an actor instead of like a streamer. Well, especially just the amount of time that they're expected to do. It's like, it's insane. You know, I, I see all these people that like just go for, you know, nine, 10, 12 hours a day, six days a week, sometimes seven. Like they don't have a lot. I mean, obviously you don't, nobody has a life right now, but like, uh, it just blows my mind. And it's like, well, I, they don't I do it. They lose like literally like right, 10% but like, of their audience per day. But the mentality Crazy. is like, is like it, it has pervaded like the smaller ones too. Like, so I, my friend and I, um, will sometimes go and like just sort of lurk and watch like small time star citizen streamers. Uh -huh. And by small time, I mean like 15 <laughs> viewers. Uh -huh. You know, like, like we're like 20% of the audience, like there's two of us watching. <laughs> All right. And like, like one guy that we watch sometimes has been, do has he streams like nine hours a day, six days a week out of what appears to be an upstairs room in his parents' house. And he's been doing it for like three years and he still doesn't have any more audience or any more followers. And at one, I'm just like, at what point do you just realize it's not going to happen? What am I happen? doing? Like, yeah. it, it should, and not in the sense that like, ha ha, you're pathetic. You can't get more viewers. But in the sense that like you're working so hard or in and the spending sense of, so much of your time it is on this. For 99% of people right. who join Twitch, no matter how hard you work, it's never going to happen. That's just mm -hmm. the truth. So like maybe just do it four days a week, you know? Like it's, yeah. just, like it's just bizarre to me that it becomes a full time because clearly he's not doing anything else. Like the people we're watching are not doing; they don't have jobs really. Like because you can't stream nine hours a day and work. It drives me crazy right? are the people who unfollow streamers if they stream six days a week instead of seven. It's like, bro, what do you do? Like, <laughs> imagine if you got canceled if you weren't working seven days a week for thirteen hours a day. Like, what the man like I, I mean i know younger kids that are like that they're like oh they, he was off today i guess he doesn't care click and it's just like wow like well you know what if you really act that way and i knew you were that way i wouldn't care about you yeah but i'm just like <laughs> sometimes i wonder about these younger like the younger generation like my you know my friends kids basically you know they're they're in the 10 10 to 15 range yeah and i'm just like 
man, we think it's bad when people want to speak to the manager. These people, kids are going to want to kill the manager. Yeah, yeah, they're going to pull out a knife and be like, where's the manager? I have something I need to do. This pizza was four <laughs> minutes late. I will say this. You're going to die some, now. Some parts of that I like a lot. Like, I like that the Zoomers are kind of aggressive, kind of the way our generation was, Generation X. It's mm. been like a couple like because well, they were raised by us. They're probably right. <laughs> like, I actually like a lot of the stuff the Zoomers do. I do. I but do too. I but think... their cancel culture is one thing I hate for sure. I just I do like that kind of uh, they have the same sort of like nothing matters and life is meaningless until it thing. does. Yeah, that, but they have they have that attitude the millennials have. And the millennials take that and are like morose about it. And yeah. Gen Gen Z finds it freeing. Yes, Gen Gen Z. <laughs> I kind of has this. Gen Z, like, and this is an obscure reference, but it reminds me of um, Durandal from uh, Marathon, from the Marathon series, where at one point you're trying to find out like why he wants to like be rampant and escape his computer bonds, and he basically says, "Escape will make me God." <laughs> and I'm like, that's Gen Z. Like, yeah, it Gen is, Z, yep. <laughs> Gen Z doesn't want to wallow in its problems and, like, and, and admit the nihilism. They're like, the nihilism is what makes us powerful. Yeah. And I'm like, I dig that. But Gen Zers on the stream, you get the thumbs up from me. I like you guys, yeah. for sure. But... Uh, they are very harsh about people's tw uh, Twitch schedules. I can yep. tell you that firsthand. <laughs> and a lot of other stuff like that. They're very nitpicky <laughs> in that way, and I would never be that extreme. But You should see my niece play Civilization Six. She makes up entire narratives in her head about all the wrongs that the other leaders of the, <laughs> the opponents have done to her. Wiping she, them will, off like, the map. she will like sit there and yell at them, like prof <laughs> profanity-laced like tirades at like Charlemagne and shit, while like yeah. and like while decimating his cities and being like, "You fucking deserve it. You, this is what you get." Like, <laughs> like, it's, I'm just like, and it's great because I remember when I would like make up like things like that on Civilization 2, but I never said it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this while I'm pat giving a pat on the back to Zoomers, Gen Z folks, I should also really give a pat on the back to the streamers because, man, they really want it because I yeah. don't know how you do it. I really don't know how you do it day in and day out playing video games basically by yourself, like to no one. Um, which maybe they're going to do it anyway. Maybe that's how they look at it. I don't know. Maybe, but like, it's, it, from what I can see, uh, just, you know, and, I'm, and we're not necessarily in those streams to like mock those. We don't say anything. Yeah, yeah, like we don't, not. we don't troll the chat or anything, but like, like it's, it's a mix of like, I mean, there is a little mix of like watching like a reality show where you're like, Oh my God, what is, what is this person's life? But at right. the same time, like I always have like a kind of a, like an admiration for the dedication yeah, to it. Like it's just, sure. Like, you know, they're just, they're going for it. They believe in something like, and it's hard. Like I, yeah, that's not an easy life. Like that's, uh, no. that's, that's a lot. I have I no interest in becoming a, I can't think of anything I can no do nine hours a day all. for six days a week, <laughs> like for free. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I have no interest in being a Except like breathing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Mixer gone. Twitch reigns supreme again. Um, I guess they're trying to join forces with Facebook gaming to try to present a viable, competitor but i'll be honest with you i would have switched to mixer before i switched to facebook gaming i, yeah, I i'm not uh i have no interest in supporting facebook it's not even that it's just to. like if you go there it's just like this junky website that's been forced into the facebook mm -hmm. template that's all they're like we the facebook's other venture I remember I facebook watch it, is the same way like, it's like hey we're just gonna put it on your facebook feed it's like no that doesn't really work bro like this is yeah. a streaming service like some of the best maybe comedy that's come out of it is mixers streaming making twitch accounts <laughs> that's yeah. been that's oh, been yeah. some of my favorite oh the other thing i would watch. add i don't know if you guys noticed in the b-roll that we ran but if when i went to mixer to get b-roll 
every single thumbnail for every single streamer was basically just the URL of their Twitch channel. (laughs) (laughs) They just put it straight on their thumbnail because they're allowed to now. Mixer's going away, so there's no rules against promoting Twitch. So now all the people who are on Mixer are just putting the URL of their Twitch channel on their thumbnail on Mixer. And obviously, that's only last for a couple more weeks until it closes on the 22nd. But anyway, uh, I, I would like to know just how much money Microsoft wasted on Mixer. Like, a lot. The mm. dev development, the marketing, the money that they gave Shroud and Ninja. Just all of it. Like, just, it's just crazy how some companies can just pee away just, like, literally maybe $100 million they spent on that. Well, they didn't, when, well, they didn't if, if anyone can do it, Microsoft can do it. Yeah. Well, they didn't buy Mixer from they. Didn't, I mean, they bought Mixer. They didn't build it from the ground up. So I yeah. read a I read an article about the guy that created Mixer and he left a few years ago and gave his reflection on Mixer being shut down in a sense. But um, he said, I mean, they built it, so they just bought it a, 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 an infrastructure and just build upon it. But their statement has said they couldn't build the infrastructure needed to compete with Twitch. So that's why they wanted to partner with um, Facebook Gaming instead. Same reason there's not a good alternative to YouTube. People start and they try and then the money runs out and they bail. And then we're stuck dealing with YouTube for the rest of our lives. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a pretty serious topic. There has been some serious crap going down in the games industry for the last week. I'm not even 100% sure what prompted it. I mean, I do know, but... Because, but what happened was, what prompted it prompted some responses related to that, but then just prompted a bunch of responses that kind of weren't really related to it. So um, this week, the creative director for Assassin's Creed Valhalla was basically outed by his co-workers for cheating on his wife with people around the office. Um, and it was made public, and obviously his wife found out about it. Um, and then he tweeted that he is stepping down from his position and he's going to concentrate on his family. He apologized profusely um, a couple different times um, and left. And then we found out a couple days later that a couple other employees at Ubisoft, these people were working on their editorial team, uh, were accused of sexual misconduct in the marketplace. And from there, it just became a waterfall. Um, It got to the point, um, Twitch, Facebook, Paradox Interactive, Techland. Am I missing any? Um, Bungie. Oh, Bungie. Oh, and Gato Studio. All in the span of a couple days had huge, huge blowups. And then it started extending to other places like video game websites. Um, it, it felt like a dam broke. Why do you think that happened, Matt? And it just all just came out at once like this. Well, it came out... Uh on the back of similar things coming out in the uh, film and comic book industries. Uh, so the, that, that kind of the, the kind of the outings and the revelations have been flying around about comic book creators for uh, probably a week, week or two before this hit the game industry. So it's just sort of been uh, an ongoing trend uh, to, to do that, um, to, to speak, you know, speak your piece finally. And one of the reasons that this is happening, I think is, um, most of the people who are speaking out are freelance, are contractors. And one of the reasons you don't speak out about things like this as a contractor is you want to get that next contract. Yeah. Uh, but since contracts, and I can tell you this firsthand, contracts have largely dried up during the COVID crisis, uh, that 
that sort of Damocles is no longer hanging over some of these people's heads. And so people who either think that work is not a possibility for, the, for going forward or who have found other work avenues are now more comfortable saying, hey, this happened to me and you should know about it. So I think that is one of the main reasons we are finally hearing about this stuff is like one of the checks and balances that kind of keeps the status quo in place has been removed as a result of the pandemic. Um, how now when you say that, are you talking about contracts for game developers or contracts just in general? Contractors, like freelancers. 1099 folks. Yeah. Okay. Um, you forgot. Most of the people I've seen well. who have talked about this stuff have been 1099 employees. Are you surprised at how widespread the issue is in the industry? Because I will just tell you, I am. I was really surprised. Um, I've been lucky, apparently. I don't. I hate to even use that word, but literally every person I've worked with in this industry has been freaking awesome. Now I am a white dude. I am not a female. I am not a person of color. I know I have a completely different experience from those people. And I know that when I'm around other people, they treat me differently because I'm a white male and they say things or may not say things because I'm a white male. So with all that considered, I was flabbergasted to see how bad it was slash is. Were you? Uh, I was not surprised at all in any really? way. Really? Because here's the thing. Um, like I am friends with a lot of women in this industry and uh, close with them to the point that they will tell me about stuff like that, that happens. And uh, yeah, it's constant. Wow. It happens to everyone as always. I mean, I the, one thing, the, the other thing I will say it. about you not seeing much of it, and I don't see a ton of it either firsthand, uh, except in certain situations that I've been in. Um, part of it is that, that abusers and toxic people, uh, toxic men, but also just toxic people in general, um, are very good at detecting and feeling out who will put up with their bullshit and who won't. And that doesn't just mean victims, that they're targets that they cho choose. It's people they think that will support their behavior or agree with their behavior or not say anything wrong with it. And um, I think that an abuser you know, of, the, of the people like that that I've known in my life, I feel like they would peg you as someone that would not put up with the bullshit. So they know not Pretty to accurate. keep that around you. <laughs> um, I've never so heard I, so, anything like that. Ever. So I think that, and and then like, but also you're sort of like a like a dude's dude. You're kind of a a a, a man's man kind of thing to some degree. You like the sports. You 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 kind of speak your mind. You're straightforward about shit. So also wouldn't surprise me if some people that have been in those positions aren't entirely sure if you would um, believe that. Interesting. Um, not that that's a ding against your character. No, I totally understand. But I it's just like a thing where it's me. like, yeah. yeah, you just rather not roll those dice totally get it i mean yep um totally get it. whereas whereas apparently i have heard a lot of the stories from people and uh so is it worse than even what we're hearing right now matt i yes i guarantee it is wow at least more widespread and and uh i mean i've i've I'll, i will admit there are a few people that got called out that i'm surprised at um that we that i know personally um do you want to share their names you obviously no, don't have to some okay. of some of them i'm not i'm not um, uh, and part of it is just because like, you know, I believe most of it, I believe, I, I do believe it happened. Some of it is like, um, like the thing with the, the Ubisoft, uh, the Assassin's Creed director, like, I don't know that guy. Um, I've never met him. Uh, I will say that like, 
that's a shitty thing he did. Mm-hmm. It's it's not really relevant to yeah. his job. You know, like you might. It's like he's not. I mean, I guess there was a, like workplace affairs are not great, and like, but they're also be, very common. They're also very common. <laughs> and I do, yeah. from, from what I understand, he did really step down to focus on his family and felt that with this going on and what was clearly his marriage imploding as a result, he didn't feel like he could guide a $200 million game into the home stretch uh, to release, yeah. which is a fair uh, yeah. assessment. Um, so as far as I know, he was not like, you know, canceled or like told to quit by Ubisoft. I think that was le- legitimately like, I can't do this job properly with this happening in my life. And I'm going to step aside for the sake of the project. That feels like the, responsible thing to do which seems like a new thing for someone who cheats on his wife with coworkers. but like yeah <laughs> hey like you got to learn sometime right um but you're you're right it's not out of the ordinary when i worked at game trailers i mean there probably ended up being six couples by the time i left there mm-hmm. people also, who like, just look, met at work and ended up hooking up at a bar after work one I'm night sure. and dated look, man, for we, the next we both worked long. at tech tv like imagine it that was very now. incestuous yeah. like holy crap like <laughs> it was bad i mean something yeah. like half the company went to the same bar every night like yeah. it was it was that's what happens if people get drunk and they hook up and 2002 was a was a different time but, um, <laughs> it's, not that uh, different yeah but uh well, there so, was no, there's no twitter <laughs> but I, I agree with you. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. I was really surprised at some of the people. Uh, what I was most surprised about, and I'm also not going to name specific names, but um, what I was most surprised about was after the stuff started happening in development, it became like this IGN hate session. Oh, IG, yeah, the IGN stuff. Uh, oh, my. Did I had not no, surprise. Did, it, it surprised the living crap out of me because I used we go to events and basically how it works at events is you get your little space um and they set you up you set up your cameras and you wait and they just bring people around to do your interviews and we were Mm -hmm. always set up right next to ign because ign was number one we were number two and that's just the way it was and so we would stand there and talk to those guys for i'm not even exaggerating like 10 hours in a row like it's some of those crazy ea picnic things literally (laughs) 10 hours God, 10 hours right. of interviews yeah. in, in between interviews we just sat and talked to each other for all day long never ever would have got those got those vibes from those guys and girls like never they were cool and to see some of the people that's been named like in some of them you know i've continued to stay in touch with over the last handful of years or whatever some of the people that were named in that i was flabbergasted by um because some of them i know really well and i have never heard an inkling of any of that stuff coming from them. I mean, they I mean, need, I mean they I've heard a bunch wonder. of stories about several of them that are not mine to tell. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, but without hearing those stories, I would probably agree with you. Um, having my, from my personal interactions with them, but yeah, I am not a woman. Yeah, I know. Again, so. I'm not, I'm a white dude. So they act differently around me. That's just the way life is. Um, but I'm usually a pretty good reader of people, and I've got a lot of people wrong in this case. Definitely. Well, the other thing I'll say is that um, someone who does that regularly and someone who behaves that way regularly has to be good at, at keeping up That's appearances. Yeah. So, like, and also, like, maybe if you worked regularly in with them in an office day-to-day environment, it would have been different because a lot of the stories that came out about IGN weren't just about like harass, sexual harassment and stuff like that. It was about like these people were just jerks. Yeah, they were. You know, well, I look. Like, I looked. I took some of those comments with a grain of salt because a lot of them were coming from freelance writers or people who worked there who were unhappy that they never got promoted. 
Mm-hmm. So when I see stuff like that, I I don't discount it, but yeah, I definitely but put there's a little bit of something to consider there. Here and there, but then there's also stuff where like, yeah, they told me that I wasn't hot enough to be on camera. Oh yeah, which is that's, like a, yeah, for stuff sure. like that. And which is funny because it's just like, have have you seen the dudes you're putting on camera? Yeah. Like, but, <laughs> like, but let's have be you honest, seen our have you seen our show? Let's be honest, Matt. I mean, that's TV. Like sure. you don't but they're say not that. TV, they're IGN. I know, but they thought they were. And they probably still think that they do. And they did have a TV show on Disney for a while as well. Mm-hmm. And you, but you, you and I worked in television. And the sad truth of television is, is that in a lot of cases, that is true. Like, it if, can be, but like, you don't see a lot of unattractive people on TV. Is is my point? And there's no, a reason but, for that. <laughs> but be, but they weren't doing TV with the exception of a yeah. couple of ventures. They were doing web stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And like, and let's be honest, like when we even on G four when we did the web stuff and the feedback podcast, no one was being put on or taken off of that podcast because of their looks. They were put yeah. on because of how how good they were, what they did. Yeah. Um. And so you know, even at a at a company, I mean, I clearly went the people who were being put on the sh- TV shows at G four, there was a, a lot of concern over how they looked. Oh I mean, yeah. There's That's no way really around that. That was TV. The, a lot of the brass at G four. But even at but even at G four, they knew that like when you're talking about podcast stuff or whatever, it's more important to have people that know what they're talking about. Yeah. And what they look like. Yep. Um, I don't mean to interrupt even, in the middle, but I just wanted to say because there's some comments coming out of regards to having you guys say that you should say the people you're talking about, just to defend you guys in a sense, they should they don't have they shouldn't have to because these people told them these stories in to keep it secret. And by them revealing a name of a person could reveal the the woman that uh was sexually abused or harassed. Well, the other part is I don't know anything about it. I don't know who's telling the truth or who's lying. So I'm not going to single somebody out by name and say, like, the guy from Ubisoft, he stepped down. He admitted that he did something wrong. So we didn't even name him, actually. But you can look it up and figure out who it is. Same with There's only so many directors of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah, exactly. But but you can look it up. Do the research if you want to find out who we're talking about. We're not going to name it here. I mean, I hate to say it, but honestly, it does kind of open you up to some legal stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, we have to be careful when we're talking about this stuff. These are just accusations. Nothing's been proven in the court of law. So um, the reason I'm not naming people is for legal purposes, 100%. That's the mm-hmm. only reason I'm not naming them. Yeah, it's it's a shaky ground. I mean, you have to you just have to say allegedly a lot, but it's, yep. it's simply reportedly to say, allegedly or grounded. Like no one's no one's getting this news from us. You know, this is all yep. out there on Twitter. It's all out there on Twitlonger, where you know there's there's a, there's it's, this is very easily accessible, or we wouldn't be talking about about it. And like the stuff that isn't out there already, having been talked about online, stuff that I've been told, you know, person to person, those aren't my stories to tell. No, hell no. Yeah, I. I, I was appalled by this, to be perfectly honest with you, and caught completely off guard. Like, obviously, I'm not stupid or naive. I know that mm-hmm. there are people in every industry that are sexual predators or they just have issues. And I just assume the gaming industry had the usual amount as any other entertainment industry. But it appears that it is a problem. And it has been I, a I problem. think it does have the usual amount. I think this is just how things are. Really? Yeah, of course. Wow. That's really discouraging. <laughs> What's wrong with people? Um, well, I, I tend to try to give humanity a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. You may be right, but I, I would hope that that would not be the case. 
Um, but the, the other thing is that the industry was really bad when it first launched. If you want to re read some salacious stories, look up like what it was like working at Atari during the Atari 2600 mm -hmm. era. I mean, it was just like a meat market. So, or when you had to like, uh, if you were working at like any of the public game magazine publications that were owned by Larry Flint, oh, like if you're working in that building, <laughs> that, you know, like we had some, a friend that tales. did. We did. And, and she, she has, would she tell us, tales. yeah, she would say that like um, they had to share the offices with Hustler. Yeah. And so they would have <laughs> video game publishers coming by to demo games and they'd have them wait in the waiting room. So they're sitting in the waiting room and in front of them is a table piled with the most hardcore triple mm -hmm. X magazines. And it was just this awkward thing where you have to go into the lobby to get them. And they're trying not to look at these crazy. Yeah. And ones. this is like mid 90s. This is like pre-internet, yeah. you know, now, now that would probably, that would probably be weird, but it's like, you know, that was an era where you really had to seek out the porn, right? You had to find it in the woods, you know, <laughs> um, and just seeing it on a table like that was unusual. It was. Yeah. Unless you're at Larry Flint's building. Yeah, Larry Flint's building is a very different. It's just the way it goes. I drive by it all the time. It's right there. Yep. So what do you think the answer to this is, Matt? How do you fix this? Um, I don't I mean, really, the answer, the way you fix it is you raise better, better boys. Human beings. Yeah. Um, the uh, the other I mean, alternately, in terms of like. Uh, it's a hard thing to do, because like it, part of it is also like if you're really crossing lines in terms of power and balance in a workplace situation, like that's a serious problem. And like you need to have a, a method of dealing with it. On the other hand, like one of my friends, when we were talking about it. She said, like, she's like, there's things in here that are like you know, absolute abuses of power. And, and like you, 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 you understand why someone can't say no because they feel like this person could ruin their career. And it's just like, you know, that's the situation you have to go after and defuse and, and prevent from happening. But she also said at one point, like at the same time for certain other stories, heartbreak is not abuse. You know, yeah. like, a, like, yeah, you had a bad breakup or like you had a bad Happens relationship. All of or, us. Yeah. But like, that's not necessarily, it wasn't really workplace related just because you both work in the same type of job. Right. You know, yeah. like you, but it's like, if you work at this company, I work at this company and we're both, you know, doing game development or, or writing whatever, like that's not the same thing as like, as like an intra office problem, which uh, most of these are, but uh, it's, it's like you, you, I don't know what, what you can put into place. Like I've been through some things like this myself where we went to HR and like, they just don't even do anything about it, even though it's supposed to be against law to do that. Or like I've had friends that like, you know, just don't, you know, you can't do it because uh, the the person that's involved is part of HR. Sometimes right. like, you just don't know. Yeah. Like there's, there's very hard, it's very hard to find recourses. And um, that's one of the reasons is that kind of the cancel culture thing has sprang up because people feel there's no, recourse yeah you know, there's no I mean, official training channel to can go probably through. help if you put all your employees through sensitivity training sexual harassment do. training but the problem is like that an abusive person um like some of the people you're talking about or especially you know or someone like you know a harvey weinstein uh for sake of argument like they're going to just assume those laws those rules don't apply to them yeah. or think they can get away with it and the, or they're going to use the training to figure out how to get away with it. Yeah. They'll be like, this is what right. they're looking for. Now I know what to look for. <laughs> yeah, you know where the line is. And you yeah. can, yeah. I, I and like, it's just you know, a thing in general. It's just the system is broken and it needs to be addressed and changed. Because just like Matt, I, uh, I ran into an HR issue as well. And unfortunately, they didn't address it the way I thought it should be because of the severity of it. Um, but it's because of the system that's in place. They couldn't do very much. Yeah. 
Remember that the system is almost always there to preserve the status quo, not to help you. Oh, yeah. They, well, they don't want to make waves. They don't want to have to invest yeah. money into something. They don't want to have to create a bunch of new training. They don't want to pull their employees away from the job because then they're not being productive. It, there's a million reasons they can give themselves yeah. to not do this stuff. And you're and the probably the truth is, is that those reasons were keeping them from doing it in the past. At Viacom, we had to do courses like five a year every year for everything. Like, how do you treat your employees? How do you treat people who work in other departments? Like just, it was crazy. It got to the point where you're just like, I've been through this now seven times. Like, do I really need to keep going? But every year you had to kind of get recertified. And the truth is most companies don't do that. I know that because my wife works at a large company and she doesn't have to do like any of that. She does like one training thing a year. So mm, yeah, training my can help. do that until... Uh, last year, two years ago, and I worked for the company for five years and we never had yeah. any type of training in regards to that. It took yeah. us, and we had an organization that was established in 1964. So that's like, that's how yep. long it took. It takes a while. So again, really bummed to hear about this. And I'm even more bummed to realize that there is no answer. There's no quick fix is maybe the better way to put it. It's, it's a generational thing where we as human beings need to raise our kids to be better and to respect women, minorities, pretty much anybody else but themselves. They need to respect them. Yeah, I mean, the real thing, if, if a lot of these uh, situations that have been exposed, if the if the the guy in question had just, you know, listened to the idea that like, you know, the women in the workplace with you are not there for your entertainment or for your dating pool uses, is, there are other people, there are just other people there trying to do a job that you're and same same as you, and they're not there for you. And so leave and, them the f alone. <laughs> and that is uh, that is apparently a tall order yeah. for for men. So it's here sad. we are. Yep. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about something maybe a little bit more upbeat, but maybe not, depending on your perspective. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we talked, I think, a week ago or a week and a half ago about how, how Kojima had pitched his new game. Speaking and it, of things that need to end. <laughs> and he had pitched his new game and it was shot down. And he had said on Twitter that now he needed to kind of gather his thoughts and start thinking about his next project. Well, it took him about a week and a half, and apparently he's done that because he posted another tweet showing an image of him working at his desk on a sketch, and the sketch was blatantly related to to a Death Stranding. So it appears that, at least currently, his plan is to try and create a sequel to Death Stranding. Matt, is that a good idea? Not to me, but... Uh, to anyone. To, to a business, is it a good idea? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it at least broke even, um, but it certainly wasn't like the 10 million seller that maybe Sony was envisioning when they brought Kojima on to make something exclusively for them. Um, I also question what's left to do with that game. Like, like I didn't finish it because... I couldn't. I got other shit to do. <laughs> I, could, but like, I just couldn't. I could, there's I plenty could to not. continue. I did finish it. You went back and finished it, Mitch? Oh, I didn't go back. I, I finished it the first time I played Oh, you just plowed straight through it. I plowed straight through it. That shouldn't surprise me at all with you, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, it's right before I moved out here, so I thought I would play everything that came out, so I kind of had make sure I was on top of everything. But yeah, I finished gotcha. it in a few days. Yeah. Do you want a sequel, Mitch? Um, I think if they change the gameplay and not doing as much of the packaging stuff and focus more on combat stuff, I think... There is something for a sequel. Uh, they play with some interesting elements and put a lot of revelations near the end of the game. 
um, that there definitely is an open area for a sequel. Um, I think one of the best things, though, about this game was the connectivity um, between each, all the players playing through at the same yeah. time, building a road together, building a bridge together, taking in, taking a certain ladder and giving it a thumbs up and knowing that more likes probably is a better path for you or gain the satisfaction because someone used your tool that you set up for them. So I think those elements worked as a, as a system. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And so I think, if, I think there's something to build upon it in another game. Don't know what it would be. But if anyone can figure it out, it's probably Hideo. He's crazy enough to figure that shit out. So he didn't figure it out. This he didn't time. figure it out, though. He didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, they did. They broke He's even. He's the one and, who made the game. Yeah, but they did break even, and the with the PC version coming out, they said that's basically bonus. So it's all gravy it, so money. It, so it did make it. It did make good enough. Not the yeah, but imagine making Spider-Man. something people like. Sure. Like, and, and, and how much money you'd make by that. Like, like you say it should that. be focused on combat, but he doesn't want to focus on combat. Like he hasn't wanted to focus on combat for like 15 years. He's also years. never been very good at it. I no, mean, I think Metal Gear Solid 5 was good combat, but there was nothing to do it in, really. Uh, that's the best he's gotten uh, is, is 5 in terms of moment-to-moment shooting and gameplay. But like the thing, like I would say the main thing that Death, Str- Death Stranding 2 would have to do is figure out a way for the gameplay loop to not be avoiding anything interesting happening. <laughs> like, because that's the whole thing. Like, if anything interesting happens on the on the journey, it's because you screwed up. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, like, I, that I would like be... the aesthetics. Uh, I like. I don't want to say I like the world though. I like the aesthetics of Death Stranding, and I like what the world looks like. But I mm-hmm. don't like the world itself. So, what makes me nervous is okay. Again, I like the characters. I like this weird thing that he's built. But the world itself, it's empty. So how do you create a sequel? Like it's just so weird. Interesting. Well, because <laughs> like, like I agree that like the 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 communal building stuff is the most interesting part of the game. Definitely. Yeah. And like, but it's like it still doesn't make a lot of sense in the context of the game because like you never see anyone else. It's just like the I guess the impression you're supposed to get is that other couriers are running around also building these things and you just never see them. Yeah. Um, just- Bad so like, that you never run into. But like, I don't know if I want to see them either because then you're just gonna it's gonna look like an MMO where everybody's just running around all the With time. Boxes on their back, yeah. and like that'll just look silly. It's not, I guess not gonna help anything. So like, I don't know what the solution is there. Um, yeah, I will say it, it, all the elements were working with the box packaging stuff until it hit the snow. That's when I really mm-hmm. just did not dig the system and what was in place there. Um, and then when I mean. Can I, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but you have to like travel all the way back from where you ended to the very beginning. And you have to do one full stretch across. And I will say... No, that, thanks. <laughs> that, well, I will say the moment really worked be, uh, with, with the story element, but then also the music. I think he nails music really well. And I think yeah. the, some of the best moments out of that game besides the communal building was this the moment where you figured out a level to get passed into an area and then... It's just that nice stroll to that location, and he just plays the right music for the right tone at the right time. He has good taste in music, for sure. Yeah, it, it was a good playlist that he assembled for. His, it was like, all it was again like there's there's a there's a there's an edge of pretentiousness to Kojima's stuff that I just don't think he warrants. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, I don't reject it, and it doesn't bother me. But you're right; I would argue that. He earned it a long time ago, and he's been kind of living on it ever since. Yeah. Yeah, and it may sound um, like I am really high on this game. Like, it's a 7, 7.5 out of 10 in my mind. So I'm not as high as maybe I'm sounding like, but the elements that he really did 
do into it really worked for me. Yeah, I mean, there's elements that I'm, I'm just, I mean, I don't know if I like them, but I was impressed that something that dumb was in a game. And, you know, it's just like the, like the, the care taken to like for the gameplay of balancing boxes on your back is just like, well, it's stupid, but I appreciate the effort and care put into it. Like it feels good in the sense of like, if that's what I have to do, like I understand how it works and what I need to do and how to do it on the fly. And like, I didn't feel like I was dropping boxes for no good reason or because of random reasons. I felt like it was something I, that happened when I screwed up. The problem was I just didn't care. Um, I liked eventually the, once they built, you know, once we had built all the highways and I could just ride the bike yeah. around and like, you know, I had like weird things where I would take on the wrong kind of mission and I had to carry more than I could carry. So I had to go get a Jeep and I piled stuff from the Jeep and I drove it back there. And like, you know, it was, it was like, I was, I was, I enjoyed the, the, the free form sort of like here, solve this problem kind of idea of the game in terms of some of the mission, like the delivery missions. I just didn't care about anything I was doing. So it was sort of hollow. It was, it was all on the purpose of something I found incredibly tedious. Yeah. Yeah. Like delivering a pizza was a stupid idea. Like why would you travel three miles just to deliver a pizza in this box? This is like the, the reason for it didn't work. I didn't really connect with any of the characters in that game. And again, I didn't play a ton of it, but it, I didn't connect with them enough to convince me to keep playing because for me, the gameplay definitely wasn't going to make it happen. But yeah, I, I do agree. The worst part of the game is it, it all, all the story elements really push itself at the very end of the game. Mm, like probably the last three hours or so, it's two and a half hours of cutscenes with gameplay in between. And it's like if you spread it out a little bit, I think people would have had motivation to continue. So do you guys think a sequel will sell better or worse, provided it's roughly the same style of game? I don't know. Like It's a tough one, huh? It doesn't seem like the fan response has been that great to it. I so you wonder. No, but I will say this. Like, if, is, I mean, Kojima doesn't tend to repeat himself too much. Yeah. Like even Metal Gear to Metal Gear, he does tend to reinvent the wheel to some degree. Like Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 3 obviously play fairly similarly in terms of what you're doing to controller, but mm-hmm. do they feel like the same game? No. Um, you know, he, he he finds a way to even if he's using similar gameplay to turn it into something that doesn't feel like the same game. And he's done, he did that with between 1 and 2, between 2 and 3, uh, between 3 and 4 and definitely between 4 and 5. So, and certainly Death Stranding is, is while it, it, you can see the Metal Gear roots in some of it, especially the shooting, um, he did not repeat himself with it in terms of what you're doing in, in yeah. the game. So I would feel like I don't, you know, it would not be in his character to just do Death Stranding again. Um, if he's going to do a sequel to this thing, he's going to change it up in some way that makes it recognizable as the same series, but different in a way that like makes you think, okay, this is not what I did in the last game. That's just sort of how he rolls. So with that in mind, do you think the sequel will sell better? Uh, depends what he decides to change it up as. I mean, if he decides that the way to change it up is that uh, Sam doesn't go anywhere anymore, and now he just sits and stamps papers as other people deliver things, <laughs> that might not sell as well. Yeah. Um, call it like know. delivery manager, death stranding colon delivery manager. Yeah, papers, please, too. Babies in, <laughs> babies in cans. I don't know. Um, what about you, Mitch? You think it'll, the, a sequel would sell better or worse? Um, with like, the, would you the, buy the, a sequel? Uh, I mean, I want it different. I want. I definitely want them to change things. So, like, you both pose two different types of situations. For Shane, 
I would say it will sell worse if it's the exact same type of game. And if it's Matt where he changes something up, it's probably going to sell better. Okay, interesting. Um, I, I think we're probably going to find out. Um, I don't know. Do you guys think Sony is going to will publish the sequel? I don't know. Mm. I mean, again, like 50-50, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it couldn't necessarily hurt if you're Sony to have to continue having Kojima in your stable a relationship. Yeah, because losing him to Microsoft would be worse. Yeah, as a market, like in in a uh, as a. Yeah, and that feels yeah. like the only other place he would go because, like, I don't know who else among the large scale third parties would be willing to like get involved in that. Like, maybe Take Two, but it doesn't really seem like they're THQ, baby. THQ <laughs> Nordic might be crazy enough for it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they bankroll everything. I don't know where this money's coming from. Getting like more Dark Siders games. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, my guess is we won't learn anything about Death Stranding 2 or whatever it ends up being called until next E3, if there is an E3. <laughs> at least yeah uh, but somebody did bring up a good point in the chat and that is that it did not take him all that long to create the first death stranding it was like two and a half years or something like yeah, that. he did actually get it done in a reasonable amount of time which is unusual for him yep. so you know maybe it isn't that far away maybe we do get a look at it around this time next year but it definitely uh, felt more finished than metal gear solid 5 did and metal gear solid 5 took like that. twice that length i would agree with that you could tell a bunch of stuff was chopped out of mgs5 for and sure it does yeah. have that gorilla engine so that is optimized for playstation five so it's pretty yep. easy to update that mm -hmm. yep so i i would want to see drastic changes um to death stranding before i would be interested in even trying the sequel i mean i bounced off that game real fast and real hard so i need big changes before i care particularly to the interaction and the gameplay all right let's move on to our next to last topic for episode 218 we're going to talk about a new pokemon game and it's not like you might expect Pokemon game, but it has made me very, very happy. As you guys know, I am a big League of Legends fan. Um, I don't get to play that much anymore. Uh, this year, I haven't played hardly at all, to be perfectly honest with you. I've just been too busy. But I do love it. And I've said many times that if Nintendo wanted to do a MOBA, it ha it's one of the only publishers that has enough characters to make it possible. And in particular, there's one franchise that would work perfectly for a MOBA, and that is Pokemon. Enter Pokemon Unite, a five-on-five -five MOBA coming to Switch and mobile, both iOS and Android, under development by Teamy Studio at Tencent. Um, Teamy also did uh, Call of Duty Mobile, which is excellent. One of the best mobile games I've played in the last several years. Um, so I have a lot of faith that they're going to be able to, to handle it. Tencent has a lot of experiences working experience working on mobile or, and working on MOBA. So this is kind of a perfect combo. You got a publisher that knows mobile and knows the genre. You have a very talented mobile studio and you have an IP that is just ripe for a MOBA. Matt, my question to you is, oh, ye of no MOBA playing, might this convince you to play a MOBA? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I didn't play the Transformers MOBA. Like, I'm, oh. you're, not, you're not getting me in for the MOBA world. Like, Why I don't care. Why didn't you play the Transformers MOBA? Uh, well, I think it was like only like a really limited beta, and then they canceled it. Like, oh, okay. I don't think it didn't really. That's surprising you didn't even give it a try, at least. I um, don't think I ever... I think by the time I realized it was, it was was there was a beta, it was over. Oh, uh, okay. I think that was the problem. But I, I also didn't care enough to keep an eye on it. Right. Um, it's, it's, 
it's not my thing. I don't care. Like it's, it's, uh, I, I don't mind multiplayer at times, but like MOBAs are too reliant on everyone else on your team doing the right thing they for me to are. have yeah. the patience to deal with it. Um, I also wonder too. Play- more power to anybody else who wants to play it. Like I'm sure it'll do incredibly well, but I will just not be part of it. It also makes me nervous thinking about playing online on Switch with the younger audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bad enough when you're playing League with like tweens and like early 20s kids. You get on Switch where you're playing with literally like eight and nine year olds. Um, I don't know. Eight and nine year olds are getting allowed on the internet by their parents for this. Like it's, you know, it's uh, maybe not to, to that degree. But, the parental uh, controls are good on all the systems. You can totally set it up so your kids can't play stuff that you don't want them to online. Yeah. But like I'm just like my 11-year-old niece still isn't allowed to play online games really? even with her Switch, so Interesting. I'm surprised at that. All yeah, my nieces and nephews. Now. A lot of a lot of younger kids now parents are putting a lot more restrictions in regards to their digital footprints. Interesting. Mm-hmm. My nieces and nephews, it's a free for all. <laughs> they do whatever the heck they want. I got some friends who won't even like put pictures of their kids online. Like really? until, their, until their kids are old enough to decide whether they want their images online or not. Oh yeah, I could understand that. Uh, granted, most of those people are, secu- are, are you know s- security tech people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, my well, nieces I mean, and nephews, it's, a, it's all too. fair game. They have like their own like PCs in their <laughs> bedrooms, and like yeah, they their parents oh, yeah. don't care at all. My niece has, has like that as well, but like her online usage and is just strictly monitored by her father, who is again an IT guy. Like he knows, mm. he knows that stuff. He can yeah. lock it down for sure. Yeah. Mitch, have you ever played a MOBA? No, but I do know a lot of League of Legends because my college mate that got me on Kingdom Hearts, he played League of Legends religiously to the point where he would say, I'm not going to spend the $2 for the character. So I'm just going to wait, wait it out, but he'll still complain because he can't play that character yet. <laughs> The characters aren't that bad. If you want skins, that's you have to pay for the skins. You can't you can't unlock them. You're supposed to be able to unlock them playing, but you can't. Well, like, this they was just, back in 2011, so this oh, was like they've right completely the, changed the whole system yeah, since then. It's completely then, yeah. different since then. But at why that time, have you never tried them? Mitch? I just didn't have a good enough PC. Um, now I do. Now I'm starting to try a lot of games that I haven't tried in the past or genres <laughs> that I haven't. So um, I do like Pokemon. So for me. This will be something I will try for sure. Um, you bring up a good point, though, about younger audience people playing it, so it might be a little more frustrating. But because Matt on is Switch. right, it's all if you have one person on your five-person team who isn't doing what they're supposed to do, you're screwed. You have no chance. Now, one thing I would say is that they have kind of changed the game up a little bit. That I believe may be in an effort to mitigate those issues. So on League of Legends, you you have a battlefield. Uh, one team starts on one end, one team starts on the other end. And the object is to come at each other and fight, take out the towers on the way, and then destroy the enemy's base. Well, with Pokemon Unite, there are locations all around the map that you can capture to earn points. And then at the end of a time limit, the team that has the most points wins. So it's not a condition where you need to fight through their defenses, get to their base and destroy their base. You can actually score points all over the map. Now I've never played a MOBA like that. So I can't even pretend to know how that's going to, I can't pretend to know accurately how it's going to impact the ebb and flow of the game. But it's, it's odd to me to have played a genre where it's always about destroying the other base. So even Heroes of the Storm, it had its own little wrinkles and tweaks, but still 
the major objective was to destroy the other team's base. So I'm a little nervous that people could just kind of get lost on the map and meander off and nobody knows they're there and they're just there ringing up points on this capture point that nobody knows. That just sounds like a capture point gameplay mode like the old rts's used to have like that's that's odd like that to me that i feel like the that structure you describe of pushing forward through the towers to the base is what moba is it is yeah like that you know moba is you know people call it a genre but really it's a game mode it is that, that's what it started as yeah. yeah it started as a as a as a game mode mod for warcraft 3 and variant and like um that's yeah. Like I, I wonder if you could really call that MOBA if you're if you're deviating. It's from that, that's definitely like MOBA light. I, yeah. I think it's probably about as far as you can go. My other concern about this is now you think about Pokemon and you think about MOBAs and you're like if they're character driven. It's all about the mm-hmm. characters. It's about the skins. It's about their attacks. The problem with Pokemon at first blush, you're like, well, there are hundreds of them, so there's hundreds of characters. The difference with Pokemon is that all the characters share attacks, so. Every attack that every character has in League of Legends, only that character has. Every single one of them. So you multiply that by how many champs there are now in League of Legends. I know there's at least like 150. And then there's like five. So there's like a thousand different moves in League of Legends. But how many moves are there really in Pokemon? Probably... I don't know, 200, you think? There's 200? Maybe, something like that. Yeah, roughly. Uh, But I will say, like, you know, bite can mean a lot of different things. Scratch can mean a lot of different things, depending on how you animate it, depending on how you... That's true. And it looks like they focus more on the elemental side of that exact Pokemon, so you'll get a lot more fire, water, wind, earth Mm -hmm. attacks. Yeah, like even the Charmander in the demo, in the the trailer thing, is uh, is he's spewing a lot more fire than your average Charmander does. Um, the only other thing, Shane, to address your concern about the map and like someone ranking up points, it looks like watching it, and I know you can't watch it, so I can't. I can only point out what I see is uh, it shows a map on the actual screen, and it shows like uh, a flash, like a sonar on a waypoint, and it looks like someone's sitting on it. So maybe that's way it notifies you if someone's ranking up points. So there's so a notification if yeah, somebody's exactly. there. Okay. And you see where everyone is located on the map as well. So you can see if a certain group of people are going in one direction over the other. Yeah. So you guys know, uh, I cannot see the footage. <laughs> I saw someone put it in chat. They just showed it in the footage. I can't see it. Like, when we're doing these shows at home, I cannot see our B-roll at all. And it's really one of the big detriments, I think, to the show doing it remotely because Matt and I would watch the B-roll and play off of it a lot of times and we can't do that anymore. So anyway, I'm ch- it's impossible for me to remember every second of every piece of B-roll for every episode of Game Face. That's just why I'm here that, to help. Just putting <laughs> that out there, folks. You're expecting way too much of me if you're giving me crap for that. Um, so again, I'm a big MOBA fan and this game has piqued my interest. I'm definitely going to give it a go, without a doubt. Um, I did play... Let's see. I played Heroes of the Storm, probably if I added it all up, 100 hours total. I played Dota 2 more than that. Um, I probably played that a couple hundred hours, and I played League. I don't even know how much. So my hierarchy is League, um, then Valve, and then the rest of it doesn't even matter. Like, I even lump in Smite with, like, Heroes of the Storm or whatever. So um, just so you know what my hierarchy is, basically. Um, And I am interested in this, and I do know that it's kind of a more simple version, but what I care more about, honestly, with MOBAs is playing with people I know. I, w- I would, for instance, if I had Pokemon Unite sitting there and I knew I could jump into a game with Matt and Mitch and some of you guys, or I had League of Legends sitting here 
And I knew I was going to have to play with a bunch of random people I didn't know. I would play Pokemon Unite because that's what I love about MOBAs is the teamwork. I love working as a team. I love when a plan comes together in a MOBA. When you're like, okay, let's push this lane, get the tower, and then we're going to go and we're going to take out the Mountain Drake. And it, it, it's just with all the synergies of all this stuff happening all over the map, it all works out so that you can follow your plan. That's what I love about it. And that in that way, Matt, I would say it probably is a MOBA because that's kind of what I look at MOBAs as. The rigid definition of the genre, probably not. But as far as the the feeling that I, that imparts upon me while I'm playing games in that genre, I think it'll probably be able to handle that. So I'm excited. Have they said if it's free to play yet? Yes, it is free it to is. play. And uh, it's going for all mobile and for Switch. Um, and it's all cl- cross-platform. Um, the last thing you missed, Shane, was um, there are evolutions. No, that's right. Yeah, so... Um, in League of Legends, your characters don't actually evolve. That is one thing about this that is different. Now, in League of Legends and other MOBAs, you don't have all your attacks when you start. As you build your character's level, new attacks unlock until you get your ultimate, and then you build various levels of each one of those attacks. Um, in this, the Pokemon actually evolve into new forms, which I would also assume then would give you new attacks that you didn't have before. So that is a good way to kind of keep the momentum of each match going forward if your if your pokemon is evolving and growing as you get kills or you score points or whatever so and i'm still not even sure i guess you just get points for killing the other team it's just a point value i don't know it's very bizarre the way they're setting it up but well, i do understand like there are wild pokemon out there to yeah. level up from as well so like there's a just a mixture of players and cpu uncontrolled players yep so I'm pretty excited for it. It sounds like neither, neither of you guys are, but maybe I can drag Mitch into playing it with me for a couple of days or oh, something. Oh, I'm so down. I'll play with you. Oh, okay. Hardcore. Yeah, let's cool. do it. Yeah, maybe we'll get some parties together. Uh, what's the date for this, actually? It's coming uh, pretty soon, isn't it? Before it the end of the year, I think? No date announced. It's just due out this year. Okay, so before the end. So Correct. maybe we'll get some uh, some sifted party together and we'll become a major clan in Pokemon Unite and we'll dominate Nintendo Online. We'll see. (laughs) All right. It's time for our last topic of episode 218. No surprise. We're going to talk about Cyberpunk 2077. Hands down, the biggest thing that happened uh, this week. Nothing else even close. Um, They had their first Night City Wire broadcast. It sounds like they're going to have more of these, which I am surprised to hear because it was quite the dump. I mean, they launched three trailers and a big chunk of gameplay all at once. Uh, The girl who used to be the host for Sony's UK YouTube channel apparently got herself a gig at CD Projekt Red. Mm -hmm. Um, I wondered where she went, and there she is. She got a gig uh, working with uh, CD Projekt Red. She hosted the whole thing. Um, Presentation-wise, I thought it was pretty good. Um, It kept my interest all the way through. They kicked it off with, like, a trailer, and then they did, like, a big, like, Q&A section with one of the lead developers, and they just showed a big chunk of gameplay at the end. I think the structure of that is great, perfect, great way to disseminate information, great way to keep the viewer engaged the whole way through. Um, But I just wonder how many of these you can do if they're going to have that much information in each one. Well, well, one thing I'll say is I don't know if there was that much information. Like, they did spend a lot of time on the anime. Um, they've spent a fair amount of time just sort of, like, talking about random things. Uh, although some of it was entertaining. Like, is it, yeah, but, like, I, I felt like the actual info was about the game and what you'll be playing, like, was probably about half the runtime. And the rest was sort of, like, not filler, but incidental stuff. So I imagine future episodes you could 
fill that in with like a couple of, I'm sure they're trying to get an interview with Keanu for one of them. Um, you know, it turned talk- out to be a much bigger part of the game than I thought he was going to be. I think the Johnny Silverhand ghost is pretty much what I was expecting it to be. I thought like he just be... was like a cameo. Like when I first no, saw he, it, I was like, your hallucination. He was yeah, I know. He's like a huge part of the game. It's crazy. They got him to do it. Yeah. It's well, awesome. they said that last year, last year that they, that he was going to be like appearing to the player as sort of like an, an inspiration or a, a spirit or something. Yeah. Kind I of just fact. assumed he'd show up like four times throughout the course of the game. No, he's pretty constant. And yeah, um, seems like it. he's like your narrator kind of. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's apparently he's into it. Like he's really into the idea. And that's one of the reasons he's doing it is because he thought it was cool. They are having, I guess, some problems where um, doing re-recordings or doing pickup stuff is hard because of his schedule and getting him to Europe or whatever, especially with the yeah. pandemic going on. I understand on. So, that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's difficult, but uh yeah, he's a, he's a significant part of the game, and um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I like what I see here, but I I can definitely see like the brain. You know, they talk about the brain dance thing was kind of the big thing for this presentation. At least, is the big gameplay demo was yeah. the brain dance idea. Um, and if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna like deep dive on like all these little elements, because I'm obviously we the brain explain dance. Explain what that is, actually. Yeah, the is- brain dance thing is basically um, uh, if you remember the detective stuff in the Arkham games. It's not too far off that. But in universe, what it is, is you, you know, there's obviously like, you know, matrix style VR experiences where you jack in and kind of like play as somebody else in your mind. Yeah. You're living and, someone else's and what, memories. And what brain dances are, are you, you, they record someone's experience and then you, you take that recording and you plug it into this thing and you can live someone else's the scene like this life yep. and and what they show in the gameplay in this trailer is this guy sets up the guy who's getting recorded to rob a store and the idea is like oh you'll pump you up with some drugs and that gives you a bigger rush when you play it back in the brain dance and he runs in and he robs the place and as he's running out of the store he gets shot he, he dies and um the and the player like jumps back to reality where v the player character wakes up and is like, what the heck? Like, you know, he's like, and here's the thing I like the most about this, this part actually is that his problem isn't, is, is not that he got killed is that he felt the guy who died's hopes and dreams as he died, hey. which is like, yeah, that's a, that's a great <laughs> cyberpunk little sort of like nugget where I was like, uh, he's like, it was too intense. Like I felt his, I felt his dis- like existential despair at dying basically. And so then the girl you're with shows you, Okay, here's how you go back in the brain dance thing. We're going to edit this thing and look at it so you, can, out. so you can like pull back and see in third person and look at all the sounds in the world. Because like it's not just using the guy's brain; it's using like uh, everything that's gathered by his senses. And then you can use sort of like the the constant like you know internet network and camera network that's threaded through the entire city to like pinpoint that same time. And like if, if so, like you're trying to figure out who shot him. And because he didn't see him because it was from behind and you but you see like, oh, there's a camera up above the door where he got shot. We can go back, see where the and like tap into that camera and see on the screen that the that the clerk has what yeah, that shows. And then you see that he was shot by the guy who, who planned the thing to begin with. And she's like, well, it was because people getting killed is a or what they call flatlining is uh, is a big deal in like black market brain dance markets is because people want to know what it's they like want to experience die. it yeah and 
so that's the tone of this game. Uh, <laughs> um, and she and she yeah. comes out and she's like, "It's a shame we only use this for porn, basically, because this tech is." But it's a really interesting way to kind of do like you can clearly tell you'll be using this gameplay element to solve mysteries and sort of reconstruct crime scenes and figure out what really happened in certain situations where you weren't there, but the eyes of the city were. Yep. And uh, that's pretty cool stuff. It was, but but I also think it's such a very specific gameplay element that I feel like you could, you probably got like five more like things like this in the game in terms of like a little system, a subsystem of the game that is a cool little cyberpunky thing that you could focus on for each future episode of this. Yep. So that was a big thing, brain dance. The other big thing that they announced is that there are three, I guess you would call them classes, but they're really not classes because they're not predefined. There are three characters you can sort of start the game as. There is, um, there's the nomad who starts the game out in the desert, which is mm. kind of crazy. Out in the Badlands. It's like Mad Max. I mean, it looks totally like Mad Max. And the the every all three have their own separate prologues. Mm-hmm. Rep- where you start out and the game starts completely different depending on the one that you choose. And they said it lasts... It's got a Dragon Age Origins thing going on. Yeah. And they said it lasts like an hour typically before you finally get to the same point in the game where everyone's going to join up. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are three different classes. There's the Nomad, who is like the typical Mad Max dude out in the desert guy. Uh, There's the Street Kid, who grew up in the roughest parts of the city. And then there's the Corpo, who were people who worked in corporate America... Um, and they are more likely to be able to be assimilated back into a normal job. So depending on which of those three that you choose, it doesn't impact you all that much. You still have a lot of leeway in how you can build your character, and that was one thing that they stressed over and over is like, don't lose your mind picking one of these three because ultimately you can still pretty much build uh, the character that you want with augments and things like that. So I think that's kind of a perfect system if you ask me you have kind of a themed look for your character but you're not really kind of hogtied into a very specific upgrade path yeah i mean it reminds me of dark souls to some degree where yeah. like your your starting quote unquote class is really just how would you like to sort of start off this with what do you it? want like, to kind what, of look like, like what, yeah. what would you like not even what would you like to look like but like what would you like to have an advantage in yeah from like step one Yep. And then you can deal with what you really want to become as the character later. Yep. Um, so it's, it's like, that's a good way to do it. It's also like a good way to kind of give you d- multiple entry points into this world. Like I like that idea too, is like, you know, cause people, people like different things about cyberpunk and about just like who they want to play in a, in a game like this. And like, you know, maybe you want to be more of a Mad Max thing. Maybe you want to be a street rat kind of running through the neon streets. Like that's, you know, and giving you that option is is good, and it gives you a little more feeling of ownership over the character. Um, yep. So I think that's all a cool way to approach it. Especially, it's it's interesting because what was one of the questions I think we had early on about this game was like, uh, certainly you've brought it up is like, you know, CD Projekt Red has never really made a game with a player made character. It was always Geralt, and Geralt has changed over time, but he was always Geralt. Yeah, and so kind of like, how will they handle? player choice on this has been a question for like almost the whole time we've been waiting for more and more info on this game. And I feels like in that regard, they've kind of nailed it. I have my own questions about some of the character creation stuff, which feels weird. <laughs> like um, the customizable schlongs. Oh no, I think that's, that's great. <laughs> my question is more like, I think that, and I think they will change this because of the response, but like some of the gender things are oddly structured. Like, 
Like that's not an of, easy topic to tackle. Let's be honest. Though. No, but like here's the thing: like you do not have to make it so if you pick a deep voice, your character is a man, and you right. pick a high voice, your character is a woman. Like, why not just let me? Yeah, why not just let choose? Like, yeah. especially in in like a cyberpunk situation where like cyberpunk is just such a gender fluid genre it in is. general because it's yeah. all about modification and, and expression. Yeah, and I mean, do you even really be. have a sex after a while? Like, I mean, like yeah, I mean, you can be whatever you want at this point. You know, and like you can and, augment your wang. Yeah, like that's, <laughs> that, there's plenty of cyberpunk stories that involved exactly that. I'm sure. And um, <laughs> hell, there's a Rick and Morty episode about it. And um, and so I, I just don't see any reason not to free up the choice on that. Like, let everybody, let someone pick a, be a, a male or a female or, or non-binary, whatever, and choose whatever voice. I mean, Saints Row 3 did that 10 years ago, yeah. and that was a gag game that's supposed <laughs> to be making fun of GTA. Like, why, why are they more ahead of that than these guys are? Like, And some of that might just be you don't always know what the audience wants until you, you know, the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I feel they got enough months to change that uh, if they want to. Um, uh, and so you're right. There wasn't a lot of big stuff announced, but there was a, mm -hmm. quite a bit kind of a little tidbits that either within their presentation or ended up being disseminated out of the previews because the press yeah. got to play the game for four hours. So they added some color to what CD Projekt Red kind of supplied as mm -hmm. baseline, which is encouraging to your fantasy team. I would yes, say that is true that well, they, they got play to play a four hour course now as well. So let's show that it could be streamed. Yeah, mm -hmm. but the other big problem, I think, is that um, Digital Foundry is saying that they don't really think that it can run on current-gen hardware. They're, it sure doesn't look like it. Yeah, they're it completely like, like flabbergasted that the game could ever run on current-gen. Um, and that's a little disconcerting. I mean, if there's anyone that I trust on that stuff, it's Digital Foundry. Well, and if they're telling me... Well, when you first announced, uh, talked about the game, when you first like saw it at E3 many years ago as a viewer, I sincerely thought what you're telling me is impossible on this current hardware. Yeah. So, like, I, never, I never got to the point where I, I still am not to the point that I believe it's physically possible by the way they're explaining it and you had in the past about what you experienced that this game is possible on current hardware. So I'm not surprised Digital Foundry said that. It I could be a better. I, th I think you can get it on like the Pro and and the and the and the X. I don't know if I even want to see what this looks like on a vanilla Xbox One. Or oh god, I can't oh, imagine on though. a launch Xbox One. I can't imagine what Halo Infinite's going to look like on a base mm -hmm. Xbox One. I know I've heard rumblings that it actually looks really good. But I still don't believe it. Like I can't imagine any of these games running on yeah, base. I mean, more and more, I don't feel I I don't regret the push to November because it really does seem like if you have the option, you want to play this on either a high powered PC or one of the next gen. Next systems. gen, it sure looks that way. Uh, another thing that 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 kind of came out of all the coverage that maybe had been announced, but I didn't know it was that Night City is halfway between San Francisco and LA. Did you guys know mm -hmm. it was set in California? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. I don't know how I, I mean, missed I, that. I mean, I'm familiar with the the old tabletop, the tabletop game. Okay, gotcha. so I, I kind of know where some of this stuff. Speaking of which, that's where um, the brain stuff came from. It came from the tabletop yeah. game. Yeah, a lot of I, I recognize a lot of it. I'm, I'm not super. I should probably reread a bunch of my old. Or I would if I could find them. Like those are in a trunk somewhere. I'm sure. But I, I did, re I do remember those, and I wouldn't necessarily play a lot of the tabletop stuff, but I would buy the the source books and read them because I thought they were interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I did that with Vampire as well, and Werewolf. But um, yeah, and, and like that was also a reference to like the idea that um, 
a big cyberpunk thing back in the day uh, and and also in Blade Runner was uh although it was unspoken but it was kind of assumed by certain things from the script that um the the cities of San Francisco and LA would basically expand so much they grow together yeah. and become a single coastline city that was uh, called San I mean, Angeles that probably will places. happen eventually i mean they i don't know how far that'll go cuz like they're, they're, it's suburban sprawl only takes you so far but San Diego uh, and LA are almost there already i mean there's there's not a whole lot of dead area in between San Diego and LA at this yeah, point yeah but they're not like metropolis you know it's not no. metroplex stuff yeah. i think uh, what they're talking about though is the suburbs kind of blending into each other when you get to the fringes of each city well no in in blade like stuff like that it was it was a like a basically a city as dense as San Francisco or New York that stretched from San Francisco the to whole LA. state. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, this was like 20, like again, like 2077 or so, but like that. So night city is a separate thing. Night city grew out of like, um, I can't remember the origin of it in the cyberpunk source material, but like basically, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like if San Luis Obispo became a <laughs> super metropolis somehow, <laughs> it could happen someday, like hundreds and hundreds of years from now, if we're still here, even um, some other stuff that was, that was kind of shared multiplayer, which is something that we've at first, we didn't even think there was going to be multiplayer. And then people started asking CD project red about it. And they're like, well, we're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. Then they finally did commit that. Yes, we're going to do multiplayer. Now they're saying it's going to be gigantic. And my guess is they are building a GTA online clone for Cyberpunk 2077 that will live on for years and years later, generating metric tons of money, just like GTA Online has. It's smart. I don't blame them. I like their approach. I like that they're getting the single-player stuff done first, and they're going to put the cap on that before they move on to multiplayer. Um, Chances are... I. It's probably not going to come. I think they were saying until like 2022, though. So Mm -hmm. the good news is it sounds like there's going to be a ton of DLC. They also said they're handling the DLC just like they've handled it with The Witcher in the past, which means you're going to get a lot of it. And the pricing and things like that are going to be very reasonable, which is also good to hear. And the Um, DLC on Witcher 3 is some of the best stuff in Witcher 3. It's some of the best stories in the whole game Mm. is in the DLC. So if that's the case with Cyberpunk, sign me the heck up. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Especially if they take you to like new locations or something. Yeah, absolutely. As, as the DLC did for at least uh, Blood and Wine, of course, took you to a whole different area. Yep. Um, there's a lot. I mean, I I kind of appreciate CD Projekt Red like recognizing their status and being like trying to be a rock star, like trying yeah, to be the next rock star. Like because it does feel like you know the the potential is there to kind of if not take them on, like ape them. Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Oh, my internet connection is starting to die. Are you guys yeah, you, losing me? No, you, you nope. froze for a you little froze while for there. for a second, but we're on B-roll, so you're good. Yeah, so I just want to tell you guys that my internet connection has been abysmal for the last four days. I've, I was actually going to say something before we started the show. It's been so bad. Um, but anyway. Yeah, push our the spoiled recording, didn't it? Because you were out. Uh-oh. That's if I get cut off or whatever, right we'll just do the best. So you guys, did you guys lose me? Uh, you, you're just uh, pausing. You caught up lot. again. Yeah. Our, the internet here in our building has been abysmal. And I don't know what I can do to fix it. Let's just try. We're on the last topic. Let's just try to get through the show if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, last couple things to mention. Um, they talked a lot about um, engineering and gadgetry, which really piqued my interest because it appears that if you become a practitioner of that discipline, 
you can get to places in the game that people, other people simply can't even get to. And that to me is really cool. Um, if you can guarantee, if you go down certain um, upgrade paths, that that's going to gain me access to parts of the world that other people aren't going to access unless they go down the same path. That's a lot of incentive for me to kind of poke around in that stuff. Something that I typically don't do in a lot of games like this, I'd also add. I mean, it's certainly why I usually end up putting points in locksmithing or lockpicking on things. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I mean, I get that, but at the same time, I think it, it seems over-exaggerated of what it really will be probably in the game. Like an example of what's the Obsidian game that just came out, Outer Worlds. Like you could go into a separate area, but it was just like a, a secret passage to get around the map. Like it's, I don't, I don't imagine. That still can this. be handy though. It, it, yeah, it can be handy. I think just the way your tone, it sounded like it was going to open up this entirely new area that was like. Completely... No, no, I just meant like, hey, there's this closet here that everyone else can't get into, but I can get in there. And what the heck's in there? Or there's this, this room that's in this building that's locked and only certain people who have reached a certain level of discipline with their engineering or their hacking can get in there. I like sure. that type of stuff. Creating exclusive stuff for people who choose to take a particular route with their character. Definitely. It, it just motivates me. Um, anything else that uh, was shown during this presentation that... Uh, uh, they got into the melee combat a bit, which oh, they was, did. Which yeah, was good because melee. most of what we've seen before was just shooting. Yeah, that's true. Yep. What did you think about it? It looked pretty good. It looks pretty good. I mean, uh, melee is probably not a huge element of this just because like yeah. everything seems so gun oriented but like in a game where you know or at least a, a game system in which in a world where you're supposed to be able to pop blades out of your elbows uh like <laughs> it does seem like it, it needs to be i mean that was one of the first things shown was that that girl that has the the blades kind of hooked out, yep. of, the, out of her arms yeah. which is like she was the cover basically the cover of the old uh, pen and paper stuff here comes um, Tiny Two K again, dropping those subs to all our uh, all our watchers. So it looks good. I mean, it looks good in the sense. Like, I don't know how it feels to play, but it does look like brutal and and dangerous. So like that's really what I'm after in this game. Is like everything should be like the the. That's what I like about the look so much. Outside from just sort of the neon drenched sort of cyberpunk '80s look, it already has. Is like all the violence and all the combat just has this like feeling of like just this feeling of his advanced tech just tearing you apart, like just tearing flesh Literally. apart. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's, it, it may, has this great like visceral feeling of like the technology is so far beyond what the human body can handle that if you aren't augmented, you're going to die. Like yeah. there's, like, you have you no chance. You don't stand a chance in this yeah. world without it. You won't survive. Um, something yeah. they also showed off was the they showed off making quick decisions. So like when he came oh, out yeah. of the limo, you got to make a decision to whether punch a guy or just tell mm. him to move out of the way, um, which I think I'm kind of happy. Some of these elements, you know, they've been showing separate pieces and I'm happy to see them. I kind of want to see them all together and just give me one mission. I think that's the biggest thing about this game so far is I don't know what the hell is going on. Like you're giving me well, there was snippets. That, the first time they showed it to us is the press. There was that mission that they showed from beginning. Yeah, I think that's press. But the us press. Is not press. We don't know anything. Of course you know because they released it. They released it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, but that one was... Four that was a mission. Three, they even showed you sure, how many, like all the different four, ways you accomplished a mission and everything. But that was like three or four years ago. The game's probably has evolved. That was last since year. Then. Was it last year? Yeah. 
That was last year. Yeah, well, well, they've, they've done it both and it times. Ends with, and it ends with Keanu like, yeah. showing up. They've done it both years. The last two E3s, they put out, um, the press got to see it first, and then later on, they released it for everybody else. No, but it the, was, thing, the thing last year was a story trailer, Matt. Uh, they showed off that trailer for the actual like, gameplay of it, I think, it was no, two years ago. No, the thing they released a couple months after E3 was what they showed in the booth. Okay. And it and yeah, like they've sh they've shown missions. Like we 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 don't know exactly the overall, like we don't know how they connect together story yet. Story connections. That's, that's but like, what I'm yeah. going for more of. I just I want to see yeah. it kind of more connected together because I just these separate pieces. I just don't know where it fits in the puzzle. You want to see the I gameplay think, loop. You want to see what happens. I think you might be disappointed by that because I don't think they're gonna give that away. No. I know. I, I not until you won't probably won't learn about that until like the week before reviews and like maybe that'll be the last Night City. Uh, Episode, Probably, they yeah. They'll show the whole gameplay loop. How do you get a mission? Completing the mission, what happens after the mission? That's really what's left, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, of course, a ton of little... Maybe driving. Details. Like, I bet one of one of the episodes will probably focus on driving. Well, they showed a good bit of that, though, with the Nomad class. Yeah, but I think, like, they'll do something that shows why it's special, you know, what makes it, like, unique. And they why, did say, kind of why you want to go out in the wastelands, because that well, seems like a very different motivation than being in the city. They did a say a big bulk of multiplayer is going to take place out in the wasteland, which that gave me like this weird, like Bethesda <laughs> vibe. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I we feel don't like have to worry about that for a couple a years. A bunch of times, um, <laughs> it hasn't really worked out. I know they've uh, they've shown a bunch of little like pieces, but what would really be nice to be like is one day in the life because yeah. a lot of the elements they talk about aren't things that take place during missions. It's more of the the cohesive life of the world and how conversations with random people, there's a there's a conversation for every person to like actually witness that maybe a day in the life is probably the better way to like show it off. See, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that until I play it. I'll be honest with you. I don't really need to see anything else. No, I don't. I, oh, like, if I, I could, do. I would say I would not watch a single frame of this game. I'm good. Until it comes yeah. out. I'm like, I don't signed, sealed, and delivered. I, um, I would, even if I didn't work in this industry, I would already have my pre-order in. I'd be ready. Yeah. yeah, I'm on the skeptic side, so for me, I'd rather just, I want to see what I'm getting out of this. Cause I'm That's not rare sure. for you, Mitch. You're never the skeptic. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell <laughs> you, you, you like what everything. you're getting. I'll tell I get you what you're getting. Of, you're, getting uh, you're getting the game of the year. <laughs> Unless it doesn't come out this year, and then you're getting <laughs> the game of the year. Which is very possible. The last thing we want to talk about is the anime. Matt mentioned it earlier. I made, for a lot of games do this. They either get a comic. Uh, this game is actually getting mm -hmm. a, a comic from Dark and Horse a comic, as well. Yeah. Um, but a lot of games do this. They'll have a comic. They'll have like a little anime thing. This is the real deal, though. This anime is coming from Studio Trigger. Uh, they produced Kill a Kill. Um, I think they did Little Witch Academia, I think was one of their animes. I'll take um, your word for it. In 20, and it's not launching until 2022 on Netflix. Uh, but they got serious artists to work mm -hmm. on this, serious producers. This isn't some little like fly by night thing. Like this could No, this is on par with like the Animatrix. Like they went yeah. and got and got real people for this. I mean, this could have like a second season. That's like the type of project that they're working on. It's interesting on. how much of this the tie-in stuff and like the multiplayer stuff is like targeted for 2022. It like is? it's it's yeah. uh it, just because not in the sense that I'm sad we got to wait because that's fine but it's just like yeah. it really feels like they are long hauling this thing oh they are well Matt like, I mean they've been living off the Witcher 3 for the yeah. last five years so that's, that's their MO they're like Rockstar I mean they I, like, will, yeah, I will say the biggest Rockstar. argument in favor of it coming out this year to save your your fantasy team is that I don't they have to want it out in 2020 yeah that's the name of the game yeah the original game <laughs> I know I know um I'm. I don't know. I'm still thinking around the same seventy percent. It comes out this year. 
this maybe this oh, I'll tack I'll tack an extra five percent onto that because of this presentation because it looks like at the very least the PC version will be done on time. I don't know yeah, about I mean, the others. It's, it's feature complete. And also, I feel like it will run fine on the next gen consoles. The question just oh, becomes yeah, like, sure. do they do they bite the bullet and kind of like release it and say like on PC and and the next gen it's going to be great for you current gen people. Sorry, like it's just, you know like are they basically going to do with this what they did with Witcher three on PS four? It's possible. Like we'll fix it later. We'll yeah. get to it, and then it kind of fix it, and then it's like really the way to fix the PS4 version of Witcher Three turned out to be to buy a PS4 Pro. <laughs> That's so. the Bethesda model of doing yeah. things. I think. <laughs> and Shane, I after this move to a hundred percent that this is coming out this year. I have no doubt really? in my mind they will not. If they're blowing it out like this in regards to this and more coming, I have no doubt in my mind that they will hit this year. It could yeah, be I, think that, December, I think that's a good but... point. Like, if you're going to put this out, if you're going to put these Night City episodes out, like, you're pretty confident that this is making it. I mean, obviously, anything can be unforeseen, but yeah, I think actually I might agree with Mitch on this. The uh, the release of this series does really up the likelihood that it is making it in November. Yeah, because this was definitely all part of their marketing plan all along. Yeah. And this is the final phase of the marketing plan where they do a monthly or whatever. Um, presentation where they show off the game as much as they can without spoiling stuff, and that appears to be what they're doing. So yeah. I wonder what the timeline in which uh, we've been playing this game for two months already looks like. I know. Yeah, I mean, 2022. Like, I like that they're putting all this extra stuff way off. I, that might be a little too far off. <laughs> That's a long ways away. I mean, if 2021 is like, you got like two major DLC packs, like Witcher 3 had, um, or even maybe three sp spread out a along the course of the year, and then you do a big multiplayer update in the first quarter of 2022, like, that's solid. Like, that's yeah. good. Yeah, can't argue you, with that. Because if you put out 2021, you got to think about what Sony just showed off for first party and what they're releasing in 18 months, and it's a lot of content. So, do people yeah, but you'd just be competing with multiplayer at that point, not campaigns. But they do have DLC that they're going to be trying to push along with that multiplayer, and so I think getting into twenty twenty two is probably their easiest bet at the moment because well, gonna... it's they need the time. Obviously, yeah. they're barely going to get this thing wrapped up in time to get it out after it's already been delayed a couple times. So, I think they're just giving themselves enough leeway. It may even be a case where the stuff comes earlier. But they're just basically setting expectations now so they don't have to answer for it in like 18 months or whatever. But we'll see. Uh, either way, I think it's a smart plan. Hopefully they can execute on it and they can stick to the timelines and things like that. We shall see. But I am really, really excited for Cyberpunk 2077. Um, now, absolutely my most anticipated game. Um, I hope it can trump mm -hmm. The Last of Us Part Two. We'll see. Um, certainly a completely different type of game for sure. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm so although still just about as bleak in some ways. Yeah, I think there's a little more levity in Cyberpunk, though. At least just mm -hmm. going upon what I've seen of it played and the trailers that they put out. They try to crack jokes in every trailer. That's a pretty good sign because I don't remember any jokes in any of the Last of Us Part Two trailers. Uh, so at least they're trying to make it a little bit more lighthearted. But you're right; it is going to probably be a really dark really serious game and by the time it comes out i will be ready for another mm. one of those right now i am absolutely not <laughs> i need a little bit of a breather well, I, I don't know I, I don't know how crazy comedy uh tsushima is gonna be oh we'll i see. know i know man i know i don't think there's gonna be much slapstick in that one either but 
I'll fight my way through it. Gorgeous, man. <laughs> it does. Only a couple weeks away now. Exciting. Yeah. Really exciting times. So there you go. That's Cyberpunk 2077. If they keep doing these, we'll keep talking about them, provided they keep supplying new information that's relevant to you guys. We'll keep you guys informed on this game. Of course, if you want to stay informed on it, the best thing you can do is follow the game at sifted.net. Just go to its game page, click the little gear next to the title, and select follow. Every piece of content that we ever curate for the game will pop to the top of your sift until you turn it off. So a good way to follow it. Um, if you don't have time to listen to Game Face every time or whatever, it's a good way to make sure you're staying in tune with everything going on at CD Projekt Red. So with that, it's time for our Q&A. I don't think I gave him the voice cue this time where I changed the tone of my voice because there are no questions in chat yet. There's Not a couple, some, I guess. Some hopped some. before. Some caught it. There's a couple. Okay, here's ETH Demon. How do you think Google feels about CD Projekt Red using GeForce Now to allow the press to preview the game at home? Google has to be upset at them. Uh, I feel like that's probably Google's own fault. Yeah, if they had Stadia in a place where it could do something like that, they probably would have used Stadia. But they probably don't. They couldn't facilitate it. And GeForce Now was like, heck, yeah, we'll do it. And off you go. Ultimately, it doesn't matter that much. Only us and the people in the chat right now even know <laughs> that mm -hmm. GeForce Now was used. Talk about inside baseball stuff. That's some inside baseball stuff. That GeForce Now was used to send the build to the press. So... Uh, here's one from Mark Simpson, UK. If Cyberpunk is as successful as expected, could the next GTA be set in a dystopian future too? Um, that's an interesting idea, but I don't think so because Rockstar, uh, Rockstar does what it does and it doesn't seem to like to deviate from that. And one of the things that Rockstar thinks makes it great, I would argue that that has not been true for a couple games, is their satire of modern American society. Um, at least in the GTAs. Yeah. And uh, giving that up uh, to set it in some kind of future time, uh, I think would be too much of a stretch for them. I think you're, they're not going to be able to resist uh, doing a GTA that directly targets Trump's America. Like they, because they haven't had a chance to do that yet. Uh, you know, they've been forever. watched all this go on for, <laughs> and like I mean, a lot of that probably that be anyway, over. But, honestly, I mean, but like you, if you're a rock star and you're working on GTA Six early right now, and assuming it's not set in like the '80s or something, like some people right. rumor that it's a Vice City remake, basically. Um, can you imagine looking at 2020 as Rockstar North and not thinking like, oh my God, we have got to it's do It's a this. treasure trove. Yeah, Everything like, that's happened for the last three years has been a treasure trove. And you might think like, game. oh, well, going after like a pandemic and going after all this stuff like that just happened is like fresh in everyone's mind and people died. It's like, that would be really like tasteless and dead. like, yeah, it's Rockstar. That's what they like, do. That's exactly what they do. It's <laughs> that's like their the, MO. It's like the South Park thing. It's like, yeah, the point is that they're doing it too soon, that they're doing it with, with no with no taste with no like that's that's kind of what they are uh, yeah. and and how the the humor on that is always rolled so i would think that you will see like, if if i'm rockstar if i'm that and the, or the housers like i'm thinking like gta 6 has to be set in 2020 i like, would i would prefer it that way i'll put it that way mm -hmm. um next Cyber Exile, have any of you ever been contacted by game companies for being too critical in your reviews? 
Uh, for some context, apparently Sony have recently reached out to Vice on behalf of Naughty Dog because they felt their review of The Last of Us Part Two was unfair and dismissive. Is this a common occurrence? Should it happen at all? I'll answer your first question, or the last question, should it happen at all? No, it should never happen. Um, to answer your first question, yes, it's happened to me a ton of times. Um, and they usually, if I had to sort of profile the companies where it happens, it's companies like Naughty Dog. It's companies like Rockstar. It's companies where they think their crap doesn't stink. And those are the ones who typically will come after you. And they're the ones who will come after you for your opinion. Other guys will come after you for inaccuracies, which is 100% fair. Mm. If you mess something up in your review, they should contact you and tell you you got it wrong, and you should fix it, and you should divulge the fact that when you first published it, you had it wrong. So that's all good. When yeah, they, they also sometimes you get the guys that came after, especially back in the old days, was um, smaller companies that didn't want any negative like stuff dragging them down. They didn't understand how the industry worked. When you when you were uh, when you were the editorial like guy at uh, X Play and Extended Play before it, I remember a couple of smaller companies when they got bad reviews would be like, uh, "Do you have to run that?" Yeah, they'd <laughs> ask like, us to like, like, "Yep." They ask us to cut it out of X Play, and mm -hmm. I and I. But it, the best part was in that job. That was the only job where I had an excuse for that type of stuff because we really could not cut stuff out of the show. No, the show's already shot. Already it's done. already the wraps are done. It's already compiled together and assembled. And well, there was one time that happened. Control. There was one time that happened that it happened early enough that we were able that we just like tripled down on ripping the game apart. Like we're just like, oh, you don't want us to do that? We're going to do it twice. Yep. Like, do <laughs> you went about it the wrong way, buddy. And, this uh, stuff happens all the time, though. Yeah. I have only been. I've only had someone come at me for an act, the actual opinion I put in the review once and you have already mentioned them. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Rockstar is the worst. Yeah. They're the worst. There's no... I mean, they've cut off Giant Bomb. They've cut off EGM. Um, Ubisoft in the past has been really bad where if they didn't like a review, they'd cut people off. I Ubisoft has never said anything about about to me about any of my opinions ever. Rockstar, I've gone around and around with multiple times. The last really bad one was Max Payne 3. And I didn't even review that game. Uh, Justin Spear reviewed it for us. Um, and I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Rockstar for, I'm not even exaggerating, like 90 minutes. I was on the phone with them. It was their PR guy, like one of the housers, and some dude from their marketing department I had never heard of before. And we sat and argued for 90 minutes. And I'm like, I don't understand why we're arguing. You're telling somebody their opinion is wrong. That's there's no logic in that. And, you know, I had to go through, oh, well, I've, I talked to Justin about this. And I did like three times to make sure he was sure of his opinion. Um, I trust Justin. He's one of our best editors. I still trust Justin's beard to this day. He's great. Um, but did yeah. You like a five or what happened? It was like a seven. Yeah. That seems about right for that game. It was right. And that's what I kept telling him over and over. And they kept pointing to like one review that gave it a 10 out of 10 over it. Like I like GTA's balls.com or whatever. So that's it's really biased. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> They're really slanted <laughs> in one direction. But anyway, that yeah, that stuff has happened a lot. But to be truthful with you, unless there's an inaccuracy in the review, they should never contact an editor about the review. Um, that's just the way it should be. It's not the way it is because as I've been railing against for mm -hmm. the last 20 some years of my career, unfortunately, the games industry isn't set up for real journalists. It's just not. It's a I don't buy the thing they, relationship. I don't buy the thing where they talk about like, oh, we just wanted context. It's just like, you know what the context is. No, you, you're trying yeah, to intimidate. You, yeah, you're trying to make me think that. And they look, they did this. Rockstar did this with 
with that game, with Max Payne 3. They said, we're going to cut all our marketing dollars from you guys if you don't uh, change the review. And I said, no, we're not going to do it. And 30 minutes later, sales and marketing called me and said, Rockstar just took like a million dollar sale off the table. What do you do? I didn't bend and we lost a million dollars. And that's the truth. Your Rockstar. move, YouTube influencers. And I will say, I think I almost got fired for it, to be honest with you. I had conversations with people at Viacom I had never seen in my life that week. Hmm. where I had to defend myself over and over and over and over again and defend Justin over and over and over again. Um, so it does happen. Getting fired for Max Payne 3 is no way to go out. That would really suck. It really would. But I thought, I'm like, uh, well, you know, they I just cost the company my salary like 15 times over. Like, maybe they should fire me. Like, I didn't even know how to look at it. I was like, editorially, I'm doing the right thing. But from their perspective, they're a business and they just lost a million dollars. And truth be told, like the next quarter, Rockstar came back because we were so big, they couldn't afford to not advertise on us. So anyway, that stuff does happen, unfortunately, way too often, but it should never, ever happen. Next question. Um, Here's one from Justin Horman. If Project Lockhart... Um, is priced at $200 cheaper than the other Xbox and the bigger PlayStation console, when do you think a good time is for it to launch? Would it be better to launch with the X, or would it make sense for there to be a delay to alleviate any confusion or crowded market concerns? Good question, Justin. Well, it looks like the plan was to delay, was to launch the Series X in August and put the Lockhart out in like October, November. Yep. Um, So we'll see if they stick to that idea or if they decide that they both have to come out in the fall. But uh, it doesn't seem like a bad idea to give the more expensive model kind of a, a, a run on its, on its own, just to sort of like entice you to like, you know, get the hot new thing now and not wait for the cheaper one and then have the cheaper one out later to sort of be there to pick up the stragglers. But I think yeah. it loses the point when you do that because Sony will, I mean, hasn't confirmed, but we're assuming the discless version will be cheaper. And so Microsoft needs a way to undercut on price. So if they release them together at the same time, like Sony will, that's the way they can do that. If it has to wait, they might lose out on some. I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true because the the PlayStation doesn't have a power differential. Like they're not comparable. Or they could just intentionally wait and then, to announce theirs, wait for Sony to announce all their stuff, and then just undercut them. They could just do mm-hmm. what Sony has done to them over and over. Yeah, they, they very well could. Microsoft, as we know, is not afraid to throw money out the window mixer. Yeah. And like you could, you could just wait for Sony to finally make that move because they're both playing chicken with the price right now. I think. And if you, if they want to, they could just price the Xbox Series X at the price point of the cheaper PlayStation and call it a day, even if they're going to lose money on it because uh, they. They need to get that thing in homes. Uh, it's sort of a, it's, it does, you know, it does, it's not a desperate time for them, but they are definitely on the back foot right now. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, but Sony is, seems pretty adamant in making them go first on this. And I think that we're going to see in, um, in July, Microsoft is going to be forced to, to, to tell us the price first. I think Sony's going to push that angle. Interesting. Uh, next question from Yakov226. Uh, Andy McMurray's Game Informer. We did talk about that at the beginning of the show if you weren't here. Uh, not that Andy is the last journalist or anything, but where do you think game journalism is going? 
down. Um, <laughs> I don't think this is out of the ordinary. I mean, gaming no. journalists have been jumping ship to the other side since I started in this industry, literally. And a mm. lot of them, that's their goal. Because look, a lot of the journalists in gaming, they're they're not journalists. They're people who really love games. And more than anything, they want to work in the games industry. And the lowest hanging fruit to get into the games industry is to launch a fan site and become a games journalist. Now, some of these people may get into it and realize that they love it and they may want to stick with it, but that wasn't their goal in the first place. Their first goal was to work into the games industry. Their second goal was to make as much money as possible in the games industry. And when you start working in games journalism, you realize very quickly that that second part of that equation is probably never going to happen. I was flabbergasted um, that Arthur Gies, I think that's how you say his last name. I probably haven't. Yeah. Wrong. Um, he went on Twitter a week ago and he posted his salary from Polygon. Did you see that? No. Dude, he was basically the head of editorial at Polygon. And he was making 80 grand a year. Wow. 80 grand a year. Just for reference, my right-hand man at Game Trailers made more than that. And that was six years ago. Mm -hmm. So... If you're getting into this because you think you're going to strike it rich or you're going to live even comfortably, for most people, that is definitely not the case. No. The pay in this industry for journalists is minimal. And so that's why a lot of people, when they get into it, they didn't go to school for it. They're not journalism majors. They're like, this job is cool, but I'm making 40 grand a year and I'm working 80 hour weeks. So a lot of them just start immediately trying to figure out how they can make that jump. They'll start, mm. those are ones Which, who, by the way, when people like talk about like game reviewers being paid off and like all like the, yeah. that's why we laugh because <laughs> it's not, you're not in this to make any money and you are not going to make any money. We were like, I was lucky and you were lucky for a while in, in the sense that we were producers on TV shows. Like that that's was how I got paid. Yeah. Yep. It changes everything. Like once you start working in television, your salary goes up. That's the bottom mm. line. Um, and I was disgusted, to be honest with you, when I saw what Arthur was getting paid there all that time. That is, that is disgusting. I don't care who hears it. That's just the truth. Paying the head of it. Well, then you like extrapolate how much everybody else there is right. making, and it's horrifying. It's horrifying. From you know a well-funded top three gaming website, that's it, and to me is inexcusable. Something's mm -hmm. a change there. Yeah, um, to answer your question, go oh, ahead, go Mitch. Ahead. No, I uh, go ahead. No, nope, it's all right. Okay. What do you have, uh, what do you have to say? I was just going to say that uh, it's probably going down. The trend is obviously, and I think unfortunately, the only thing that we're going to have to rely on is the, the influencers. Like, yeah, they, I mean, why would you work at a, an outlet when you can watch some kid in his basement make like five million dollars a year playing a game? Like, yeah, I just don't think there's a lot of motivation to do it unless you just really want to do it. You want to be a journalist. And I think there there can be genuine influencers that can match sure. the, the criteria oh, of, of journalism. Yep. But I just unfortunately they they're going to have to label themselves as an influencer. To, the only way to break into the market to make any money to be able to last any longer. Yeah, I, if somebody were to come to me and be like, "Hey, I'm thinking about going to college and getting a journalism degree that'll take me four years and getting into games journalism," or I'm going to buy a capture card and I'm going to start streaming and posting my stuff on YouTube. I would in a heartbeat tell them to go the second route, get yourself a capture card, start streaming and posting stuff on YouTube. It's 
the chances of you becoming successful at it are far more likely, one. And number two, if you do become successful at it, you'll make way more money than you'll ever make being a journalist, not just in games, but pretty much anywhere. So I guess I would just leave it at that. Uh, Derek D111, have either of you ever been to Space World in Japan back in the day? I went to the last two Space Worlds. I don't even know what mm -hmm. it is. What is Space it, World? It was Nintendo's old uh, convention, like their their equivalent of T Tokyo Game Show, yeah. because they didn't but go to Tokyo Game Show. They did their own show. Uh, I was ne I've never been to it because the first time I got to Japan for TGS was 2003. Um, so I, I missed over. Space World. I went to Space World my first two years at GameSpot, and I have Jeff Gersman to thank for that. For whatever reason, he signed me up for both trips, uh, and so I got to go to the last two Space Worlds ever. Um, I got to go to the one where they revealed the crazy mature Link fighting against Ganon scene. I was at the space world where they unveiled Wind Waker for the first time, where they did the switcheroo and people's jaws dropped. Um, it was, I will say this, like after the last year we went, I don't think we were going to go back again because obviously going to Japan is crazy expensive. And when we came out of that show, like, we covered the live and tar out of it and probably still we didn't really get our money's worth out of it. So um, like comparing the size of Space World to the size of TGS, Space World was literally like maybe like 115th to 120th the size of TGS. So it was this small little thing that was just for Nintendo. And eventually it got to the point where Nintendo just didn't have really enough products to support the show anymore. That's when it started going into the doldrums of waiting six months for every first party game. So I don't think it'll ever come back. I'm glad. I'm really glad that I got to go to a couple of them, though. Uh, we'll take one more. Chang39, Blood, Bloodborne for PC. When? Never. Never. <laughs> Never. So you don't think with like what's going on with Death Stranding and some other Sony stuff? that the Death Stranding Horizon thing is purely because that engine was put on PC. Bloodborne okay. is a whole different beast. No okay. pun intended. And for Horizon, it's a perfect, perfect marketing play for the next console. Yeah, to promote the new one, which I thought might be coming before the end of the year, but it's not, unfortunately. All right, that's it for Game Face episode 218 here at Sifted. We did stop a little bit earlier today, but we still pretty much got a full episode in. As I said at the top of the show, if you're listening to our show on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, and you're watching it or listening to it for free, I would really appreciate it if you could head to patreon.com slash sifted and kick us a couple bucks a month. You'll also then get the show a week earlier than you're getting it on those podcast feeds. Um, I do want to say, I got a haircut. <laughs> mm. And I did not get a haircut. I gave myself a haircut. That's what I had to do. <laughs> so I was digging, like I've been, if you've been watching Sifted HQ, you know I've been cleaning out this huge cabinet at my apartment. And so I was in the process of doing that. And I was like looking for places to store the stuff I was removing out of the cabinet. And I have all these bins underneath this bed, actually right behind me. And I started pulling bins out and I found these clippers that I have had for, I don't even know how long, probably like 20 years. And I turned them on and they worked and I just went for it. And I just hmm. did it. I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it. I looked insane. I literally looked like a homeless person. Like I think if I, when I was walking around, people were looking at me like I may be homeless. So anyway, I shaved it. I just shaved up the sides in the back and that's that. So 
Yeah, I'm, I'm still uh, I'm still riding the train to the uh, eight is enough kid uh, <laughs> hairstyle. I couldn't do it, man. I hadn't the hair. I got '70s hair. Like there's no way around it. Like it was my hair was born to be in 1977. Dude, the hair on the side of my head had not been that long since like 1997. That's how long it was. So long it was covering my ears, and I had to like tuck it behind my ears. Anyway, I'm yeah, very glad I that I took the. I'd never had my hair that long before. Thank God I had I've roommates. had long hair before. Thank but God I had roommates to help me with a long the back time. and stuff because that yeah. was a nightmare. I used a trimmer because I didn't have a hair clipper and I couldn't <laughs> I buy to, any. They're all out. Yeah, they're all sold out. I found like, shoot. Thing. I'm going for the Dennis Eckardsley uh, <laughs> curl mullet back there. Yeah, yeah. My hair was starting to curl in the back too, and I was just like, I can't do it. So anyway. I'm all cleaned up. It's probably going to be another three months until I get it cut again or until I, I'm bold enough or brave enough to do it again. So enjoy it while it lasts. I'm going to try to. Uh, but anyway, uh, as I said, you can help us out at patreon.com slash sifted. You can also help us out with Twitch Prime. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's just one click. It literally takes three seconds once you've already set it up uh, and connected your Twitch Prime and Amazon uh, accounts. So anyway... Help us out any way you can. We appreciate every single dollar. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Dinfire. You can find Matt at M. Kyle. That's K-E-I-L. And you can find Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Secor. And again, if you're listening on any of those free platforms and you're not hanging out at Sifted.net, which you absolutely should be doing, follow Sifted on Twitter at Sifted Games. That way you know when we're putting up the free episodes for our Twitch Prime subscribers uh, of Pactor Factor, um, when uh, the free episodes of Game Face are going up on YouTube, when the free episodes of Pactor Factor are going up on YouTube, you get a ton of information from our Twitter handle, so make sure you give it a follow. So on behalf of Matt and Mitch, I'm Shane. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out. 